rdtdaily.com presents a Tara Buster with comedian Tara Devlin. All right. Whoops. 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 God damn it. What the hell? <laughs> hey, I couldn't find the button. I feel like I've never been here before. Holy moly. Hello, everyone. And my shirt is all covered in cat hair. Oh, great. Great. Oh, well. I don't have my thing. I just noticed that. My name is Tara Devlin. This is how it is. We have cat hairs on our shirt. Yes, um, my name is Tara Devlin. Thank you for hanging out. We meet here. We have a regularly scheduled show on Saturdays from 6 p.m. Eastern at the RDT Daily Facebook and YouTube channels. And we are rebroadcast starting Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern on Progressive Voices or anytime on the Progressive Voices app. SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher. Please give the show a good review on iTunes and keep coming back. It works if you work it. So work it. You're worth it and live it. And what else? Oh, my God. I'm exhausted already. I have to say thank you all. I see people getting into the chat room. That's amazing. Something happened with YouTube, I have to say, right before I went on, that's why I was like, what the hell is happening? Of course, YouTube did something again. I don't know what they did. I wasn't able to find this, the, I don't even know, the the regularly scheduled, um, the, uh, I wasn't able to, I, I could only just start the show. I wasn't able to set a time. So sometimes I'll set a time and people will start coming into the chat room it does help if you can tell people all right we'll be on at 8 30 or whatever it is and yeah so they screwed me and us <laughs> the world has been screwed this is how it is when you work with youtube or any other social media that's this is what they do they change things and whatever you just got to keep up and you don't find out that they change it until you're five minutes before air um yes on discord i mentioned that we will have a show tonight so if you're not a meant if you're not on discord in our community become um you don't have to be a patron Sh show up and uh join our discord i'm a little bit discombobulated let me, ex let me let's just get back together here i haven't i feel like i haven't seen you guys forever um, and if you're new to the show, this is unapologetic liberal talk, okay? If you're a normal person, if you are someone who is capable of functioning in a free democratic society, you're definitely in the right place. This is real liberal talk. And that's why I ask you to become a patron, because we got a lot of work to do. But before we go on, I want to—I just want to talk about what went on for me for the past couple of days, and I don't give a shit anymore. Well, I do, but uh, I'm not going to curse. I—I I always say, but I already did, so that's out the window. Um, all right. So you guys know that I was talking last. I saw—I told you guys that I here. Here's the thing. Please become a patron, okay? We want uh, to do the show as a daily show. You, that's how it has to be. 
we cannot phone this in. And it's even even double that when hopefully Twitler is out of office in a few months. But then the work has just begun, frankly. In, in fact, we're in uh, we're a little bit in dire straits when Joe Biden, hopefully he'll become the president. Honestly, we'll talk about that in a minute, but I do hope that he becomes the president. I'm not, whatever, Joe Biden, who cares? I was never, I mean, I, I never really cared for him, but yeah, I will vote for him. But even we have um, more work to do when Joe Biden becomes the president because then all of the DLC Democrats and the people who don't really understand that this isn't a functioning democratic society, that well, or we're not we're not a, a functioning democracy because we have such concentrated wealth an income disparity, an upward immobility, and the majority, overwhelming majority of Americans living paycheck to paycheck. That's not a functioning democracy. And we already know that we're up against the wall. The corporate media will be telling the American people that we, we've done it. We, it's okay. We all did it. You know, we have... Kamala Harris, a black woman or whatever, the first um, female vice president. Great. But we we have, um, and when that happens, we have so much more work to do because I'll get into it in a minute because we'll, I just have to get this out of the way because otherwise I'm not going to be able to focus. So, I, okay, you guys know that, yeah, I ask you to become a patron at patreon.com slash Devlin so we can do a daily show. But in the meantime, I have to do, I have to take other jobs. So I do um, work. I work as a, uh, I work in television, okay, um, for the most part. And I do freelance and I try to, basically do this full time but you know I got a job all right I I have to tell you all so initially I wasn't going to say what show I was working on because I was afraid that the you know right wingers would have a problem with that so this is what they do and they they try to you know f up my my uh income or whatever so I I guess I should just say I was I it, it's a show that wasn't yet um it wasn't yet premiered clearly you you can tell that I'm all over the place in my mind so I I last week I got a call okay and within a few days I was working on this show so it was like a, a really quick turnaround and that should have been my first red flag because it was like here do this to do this test that we want to make sure that you know what you're doing everything had to be quick 
And then they gave me, they offered me the job on Thursday evening. So it was Monday evening. I hit a button. Okay, apply. I didn't even put a cover letter or anything. They called, the guy called me 10 minutes later. And then a couple of, and then yes, and then they gave me an assignment. The next day I gave it to them. The next day after that, they called me and three hours later, they offered me this job that I had to start on Monday. And when, so that should have been a kind of a red flag that, and now I know that probably somebody had been in my shoes before me and probably left (laughs) either um, because they couldn't handle it or they said, F this, I can't, I can't live like this. So it's a show that is not yet premiered. It will be a daytime talk show, uh, like a daytime, like the Today Show. It's, uh, I'm, I'm kind of afraid to say the name only because I think maybe I signed a contract of non-disclosure, but I have no idea. I didn't look. Um, it, it's, it stars, uh, the little, uh, well, now she's grown up. She's 45 years old, so, but she was, uh, you'll know. She used to, uh, play, she, she was in, um, what do you call it? Uh, she was in (laughs) E.T. You know, uh, what, right? The, what, well, anyway, it's, uh, the Drew Barrymore show, right? (laughs) Drew Barrymore's new daytime Drew Barrymore show. And it was probably the most abusive and dysfunctional show that I ever worked on in my entire life. (laughs) So yeah, um, there's so much about it that is, it was so phony and so uh, out of control, really, and beyond belief. So they gave me certain, so I do motion graphics, I do, that's what I do. That's what I've been doing for many years. I work in TV. I always, since I'm 15 years old, I've worked in television. I have a degree in communications. And uh, so uh, whatever. So I know what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. Basically, my directions were, it was, uh, there was absolutely no ability to succeed in this job because the directions were all um, depending on Drew Barrymore, who who knew it when she saw it. Okay, so there was no there was no directions except look at Drew Barrymore's the thing that she might um, might like. So look at what she has been. Um, just, uh, what do you call it? See, I can't even talk now because I'm so, my mind is so discombobulated. So uh, please forgive me a little bit while I get back into the groove. The, and this is the only reason I'm sharing this, so I can get it out of my life and leave it behind me. So it's sort of like I probably should have spoke to my therapist before, but since we're t- you are my therapist, so... Anyway, so basically there is a, there's a toolkit. Every show gets a toolkit. You get a, um, a look for a show. 
right? You know what, it's like any brand you'll get, like Coca-Cola has a brand. If you get hired to work for Coca-Cola, you wouldn't walk in there and say, oh, I'm going not, uh, I'm not going to use the Coca-Cola brand. I'm going to do my own thing, right? So they gave me the style guide, but I, when I started working on it, after I had submitted some things, I, then I found out that Drew Barrymore doesn't like the style guide anymore. So we could only use the style guide, but don't use the style guide. And then it was, you can only use this font, but don't use that font because she doesn't like it. And then it was, um, well, make it uh, vintage yet modern and make it uh, use it, make it look like the style guide, but not like the style guide. <laughs> I mean, it was unbelievable. So that was, and I did a show that week. And the other thing that was, I was told that we were, we were going to have to work 12 hours at least a day. And only, and that's a sign of failure already. You know what I mean? Because if, if you pay, so here it is, this, this is a person that is like out of touch with reality. That's the other thing. So they, there was a, a style guide. So, so they hired somebody to create this look of a show. And then they designed all of the graphics and including the website with this look. And then they, she, the host, saw the style guide and completely didn't like it after the fact, after it was already in use. It doesn't work like that. So you're talking about something like like a, a thousand, not a thousand, you know, you're talking about somebody got paid, uh, an agency got paid hundreds, a, uh, you know, it could be $100,000 to create the look of a, of a uh, major network television show. You know what I mean? So that's a lot of money. And for somebody to just throw it out and say, no, please uh, read my mind. And it, it was doomed for failure. I was doomed to fail, and I'm gl I really kind of dodged a bullet. The other thing was it was really phony, too, because everybody was talking about how they're making joy happen. They're in the joy business when everyone was completely miserable and also being treated very uh, kind of like um, not so nice. You know what I mean? So it's really uh, – and I know Greg was saying – in the discord page that he's he would love to work in tv there's great people in television right like uh, like shannon in our chat room she's in tv but when it, you can make or break anything with the people and when you have um the host who is completely out of touch with what's going on the other thing that was really weird too was that they were all talking about, you know, the topics that they're going to discuss on this new show. And there was never an, any discussion of what is really going on in this, in this country right now. It was like, we're, yeah, we're, we'll, we're, we will tackle some uh, important issues like women 
who are losing their hair. And that's, yeah, that's a traumatic thing for women. But you know what is also traumatic? The fact that uh, over 150,000 Americans are dead, needlessly, and millions are uh, (laughs) without a job. People are on the brink of losing their homes. It just didn't really... uh, What it said to me was that we're we're in this bubble here. This whole crew is in a bubble. So then, so I was trying. That's really the bottom line. I was because I'm trying to be. I'm always trying to be a team player, I, and I'm trying to always whatever accommodate. And but I have to tell you that I have worked with people who are well known, and as well known as her. And none of them would get involved with the day-to-day graphics. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. They wouldn't be like, like, for example, Nancy Grace would not all of a sudden bust into the graphics department and start saying, I need, you know, to change the uh, -the over-the-shoulder box (laughs) for her her segment that's not she's busy doing other things like being the host and so anyway so they they had absolutely no look uh for the show well they had a look but it was completely thrown out the window because drew barrymore didn't like it anymore so uh then what happened oh yeah then on i i had a bad feeling because not i i was exhausted by the way so, you know that. I, I really feel like I aged a thousand years in a week. I was exhausted. I was working all these hours. I was really trying, though. And and I think that's partly, honestly, my I have this work ethic. And also, yeah, not. I mean, I was in the Army, but not, to, I mean, I was like this before the Army, that you just don't, you don't give up. You know what I mean? You don't... Uh, you don't uh, leave your post until you're properly relieved is your first general order. So I, in spite of what I was saying to myself, was like, holy shit, this isn't working. Like, this is a nightmare. Um, and how long am I really going to be able to put up with this? And plus, not do the show. That's the other thing. Because it's taking away from this show, my show, that I want to do and that I really think is uh, a good show. But the other, not just a good show, that I feel is important. The And the other thing, that's what I need to say too, is that when I, oh, because here's what happened. Then on Friday, I kind of had a bad feeling because I wasn't, I was doing what they wanted and it was going up the chain of command, right? And then um, I just started not get hearing anything from them. Like they, you know, be, it, it, it sounds like the Ellen show, right? Because now you're reading all these things about Ellen, how it's like a horrible place to work, but her bullshit um, whole brand is be kind. It, fi- it kind of feels like this is the same way. <laughs> Where they're all like, I'm in the joy business and I'm making joy when you're everyone wants to uh, basically quit and or worse. (laughs) So 
it's so annoying, really. I'm in the joy business when, anyway, you can't even communicate, uh, whatever. So the, uh, they, they started not responding to me. And they, I mean, I'm telling you, this is only, I'm not, this is now the third day on the job. Do you know what I'm saying? So I was only there for five days ultimately. So with a, a host that was like, make it light. And then when you make it light, it's make it serious. Make, you know what I mean? So that's what I'm talking about. So make it light, like it, make it lighthearted yet serious, make it vintage yet modern, make it like the toolkit, but ex not like the toolkit at all. I'm, I kid you not. Okay. So then, um, on Friday, when I said goodnight, this is all remote, of course. Uh, nobody answered me, so I knew something's weird here. Either these people are just effed up, or uh, I'm uh, something is not right. So I'm dead woman walking already. So on Monday, let me put it this way: they called me up and fired me on Monday because I wasn't giving them, I wasn't reading Drew Barrymore's mind in five days, but the whole thing, he, it gets worse. It gets absolutely worse because they called me, well, no, they emailed me yesterday to give them my files. So basically they're using what I, because I, I did give them what they want and so here's another thing. And of course, you know what happened. I said, I didn't say anything. I'm not giving them anything. F them. Okay. So uh, the point is, Shannon, am I making any sense with this story? <laughs> People may not even understand what I'm talking about. So then I called my sister and I told her what happened. But it was kind of a relief to tell you the truth because it was such a nightmare and it was so, so many phony people and just ugh, gross. But... um. And my sister said, and she's been saying it to me. She's like, it's your show. And she might be right, frankly, because it doesn't make any sense. Why would they want my files? See, here's the thing, because when you give them something for approval, you're giving them low resolution files. So you're not, you know what I mean? Wasting time rendering out something that's a full resolution piece. I hope this makes any sense. And so that's what they had were low res files. And then uh, they want my files. So the only reason you would want my files is if you're using what I did. Uh, otherwise, you it would be like saying, oh, but can I have your garbage so I can what? Do nothing with it? It doesn't make any sense. So they want my files because they want to use them. They want to use what I created. And so I didn't respond, like, just like they didn't respond to me. So I, anyway, that's why my sister is insisting, and she might be right, that it's the show, that they, they Googled me, and they saw that I am a flaming liberal socialist with a political talk show, and with titles such as Republicans are unfit to hold leadership positions in a modern nation, and that's that, which is fine. 
really, because I've worked in other situations where people, they know I have a show. It, it's none of their business. Some people like the show, actually, people that I work with. I, this show is important to me. I need, I need to do it. It gives my life meaning, frankly. I feel like I'm making a difference. Uh, so I, my sister's like, it's your show. My sister is not a liberal, by the way, even though she should. She, she really doesn't know what the hell she is. She thinks she's a Republican. Un it's unbelievable, frankly. But because my father... I told you guys that my father was a Republican. He was this, he was like a Reagan Democrat. He, arm, I mean, uh, not Army. I mean, he was in the Army. He was a, but he was a teamster. He worked, he worked for New York City Sanitation. He was a garbage man. With everything that we had and that I had growing up was because my father was in a union that the Republicans are destroying. So it's, this is why we used to get into arguments. And my sister, who has no clue about, history, much less half the things that are going on in reality. Oh, so she thinks she's a Republican because my father was a Republican, even though my entire family are Democrats for the most part. I'm telling you 99% are normal people. Thank goodness, because I couldn't take it otherwise. I know that a lot of you guys have relatives who are Republicans, and I feel for you. I mean, my sister's a Republican. Well, whatever. She just, she's just, that's why whenever I say things to her, and try to educate her. She's like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Like she doesn't want to argue. But the real, the reality is she doesn't want to know. She doesn't want to be told that she's a dupe. And she doesn't want me to bring the receipts, which I have. And uh, I, I have loads and loads of them. So she doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. So but she's been telling me forever. It's your podcast. You know, they Google you. Because the other thing is she works in human resources, and she said that's what they do. They Google you. Of course they do. So as soon as you Google me, you see my show. And it doesn't. it wouldn't surprise me if they... Googled me and they saw that I have this show and then and then they're like, oh no, we don't want we're making joy over here. So, uh, even though they don't know what the fuck they're making. They really don't know what the fuck they're making. They're making something that's joy, yet serious. Yeah, I mean it's really I mean, good luck. Whatever. Ugh. The balls, frankly. Really. The way that they that's what's so disappointing in life when because there's so much hypocrisy. You know what I mean? Everybody is supposed to be making joy. And yeah, they're not making, they can't even make joy in their own stupid show. Their own, they can't treat people like normal people. So basically the person I was working with was saying that she's like, oh, I'm just throwing things at the wall to see what sticks because Drew Barrymore once she doesn't know what she wants she knows it when she sees it you can't work like that you know it when you see it i'm sorry i'm not a mind reader but they should put an ad on the psychic friend network instead of on uh, a media channel you know what i mean because let me see 
Who are all of these nosy people? Outside influences I'm seeing around you by the moon card. <laughs> That's what I should have said. But it but then again, okay. That's the that's something we will never know. Is it because of my show? Which is more or is that like I'm going to stop doing the show? This is what I told my 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 father. I told my sister cuz she's, you know, my sister doesn't understand me in many ways. I'm a baffling person to her. My sister is a normal, well, she's normal, not that she's Republican. I mean, not that she's a Democrat or a liberal. She's not a normal in her political philosophy. She's normal in the way that she is just somebody who has like a normal life. You know what I mean? I, we were growing up. My sister's older than me. She's five years older. I was always somebody that was like making movies, making little videos, doing things, you know, like creating things, making funny whatever. And my sister was like going and playing softball with her her uh, friends at work. And she was a secretary. You know what I mean? She's just an average person. <laughs> she's a good person, a smart person. Not smart in some ways, but she's not she's not like me in that way. So she doesn't understand. She's like, she doesn't get that I would, it was like when, when I was growing up, my mother used to always say to me, why don't you take the toll collector's test and become a toll collector? And I was like, no, I don't want to be a toll collector. Not that there's anything wrong with a toll collector. Some people want to be a toll collector. You know what I mean? But it wasn't for me. I had other things I wanted to do. And then I had to say to my mother finally, Mom, I will. I would rather die than be a toll collector. Hoping that she might get it. Anyway, this nobody wants to watch this show. This is like me and my therapist. This is what goes on in my therapy. Talking about my mother, my sister, my life. Well, he's going to... When I talk to my therapist... I can't even believe that this happened only in a week because I really do feel like I've aged a thousand years. So, but, but it does, it is kind of suspicious. So if I apparently didn't meet the mark somehow, if I wasn't reading Drew Barrymore's mind, which nobody really could. And the girl that I was working with, the other person that was doing this, she was there long, like over um, a month. But they were giving her whatever, but it went, you know, giving her time to figure it out. She said that she just, it took her a month to get something approved by Drew Barrymore because she was throwing things at the wall to see what sticks. And I didn't, I mean, they basically gave me three days. So, and then that, what is suspicious, and this is why I'm bringing it up, not just to tell you guys, but that, um, if I didn't, if I wasn't successful at all in making what they wanted, why did they, they, they wouldn't need my files. That's, that's the bottom line. They wouldn't because they would just, oh, well, throw it out. No, they need my files because they want to use what I did. So to fire me after five days is weird. 
It really is. So I've never had that happen in my life or, or anything like it. It was so, oh, God, what a nightmare. But also a relief because if this is the way they are as well, who the hell wants to work with them? So um, I don't. I was, it took me about a minute to get relieved. They did me a favor because now I need to do the show. And here we are. And that was, I've been talking about it for now over 35 minutes. That's all I can say is. Who are all of these nosy people? Outside influences I'm seeing around you by the moon card. <laughs> I'm not Miss Cleo. But yeah, it might, it might actually be the problem that that's what happened. They Googled me. They saw this. They don't want to take any chances, you know, as they're making joy. What if I say something and then it gets controversial and then they find out that I'm working on the effing Drew Barrymore show and, you know, then it blows up in their face while they're making joy in the Republican Great Depression. Oh, my God. All right, whatever. Moving on. That's what happened last week. And, yeah, I'm exhausted. So, Greg, no, you don't want to work in television. It, it depends. It's always about people. No matter where you go, it's about people. Right? It's the truth. People can make or break anything. So, I want to thank you guys for understanding and also... I want to thank Jim for your super chat. And Mark, by my, he says, Mark C says, become a patron. Chip in what you can. Liberal media doesn't grow on trees, y'all. It's true. So if you want to have a daily show, that's what's so annoying and frustrating is that I wouldn't even have to go through that shit with the goddamn uh, Psychic Friend Network that I had to work with. Um, if... We would do the show if this was a daily show. And it can happen. So become a patron at patreon.com. And Shannon, thank you. Shannon says, you are my hero and inspiration. Right back at you, Shannon. All right. And Anthony, thank you. <clears throat> All right. And I also want to say that while all this craziness was going on and I was feeling like my god like uh, I was being abused and ridden like a borrowed mule and treated like a like a goddamn I don't even know I was it was horrible the the way oh my god I'm traumatized I really am traumatized I'm sorry I have PTSD Shannon knows because I was texting Shannon. I know Shannon. Shannon and I are friends, and she works in this business. And, uh, yeah, I was uh, texting her. And then when they asked me for the files, I was like, are you serious? And I'm happy to report I didn't respond. So if they don't want to pay me for the time I spent, that's the price of my dignity. And also... Another reason for you guys to become a patron at patreon.com slash Tara Devlin. So I can do a real show instead of a bullshit show where they're talking about making joy while this effing country is burning to the ground. Because that's what we're dealing with. And I want to thank 
right now before we really get on get the show on the road thank you to a patron who someone became a patron during all this insanity where is it thank you karen gould karen became a patron and it was really what i needed it was perfect timing karen because as all of this shit was happening to me and i was like what the f am i doing i can't deal with this i you know i can't work like this and also worried about the show when am i gonna have time to do the show i'm like losing my mind and this is not the time to not have a liberal media and in came karen's patronage and it and it reminded me it was really the best timing because i was like i saw it because uh, i get alerted when people become patrons on i don't get thankfully i don't get alerted when somebody doesn't become not be, when they stop being a patron because i would it would upset me i only find that out later when i see but when you when someone becomes a patron it's it pops up in my email and that came up and it said to me that there are no coincidences this is what i really need to be concentrating on for real so once again I want to thank you, Karen. All right, and let's make some joy ourselves. So you guys know, we know. All right, well, well how do you feel about Kamala Harris being Joe Biden's running mate? Um, I'm okay with it, frankly. And the only thing that, of course makes me hopeful well what makes me hopeful i know that she she's an insider but initially she was for getting rid of the for-profit health insurance racket that gives me hope but then she turned around and um started to try to please her corporate masters but i am hoping that once she does get some more power that maybe she will promote what her true um ideology is because that was probably that was her ideology she 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 came out saying we should abolish the insurance racket i'm all good with that yeah the insurance racket is the problem it is the reason why americans needlessly die and enough is enough that's how i look at it and Part of why I do the show is so we get to the point where the notion of having having people left behind without health care is as abhorrent to everybody as it is to me. That is a disgusting part of being an American. It's also to point out the hypocrisy that you can't talk about how we're Americans and we can do anything and how we're and then lament how divided we are when you're dividing us with policies that leave people behind. That's unacceptable. So today 
uh, I don't know if you guys have been watching the corporate media. It's it's sickening. And it's all the more reason as I was watching it. And yesterday I wanted to do the show, but I have to tell you, I had no sleep because of all, all the stuff that had been, go- have been going on. And I was exhausted. So I was going to do a show yesterday, but I, I really needed to sleep, frankly. And I'm glad I did. So I feel a lot better, thankfully. And yeah, we're going to move on and we, we, as the saying is, um, we water the flowers, not the weeds, right? So we live and learn you, you, life is too short, my friends. So we have to fight for what's right and not waste time being, I don't know, a lick spittle of some, some, somebody who's living in a bubble, Really. And doesn't know what the F is going on. So, all right. Uh, yeah. And I was watching all day. So from yesterday and today, and I was watching it. I was watching corporate media with an open, well, like sort of what, not an open mind, but watching it. I mean, I always have an open mind. But watching it like a somebody who is doing a paper on the corporate media might watch the corporate media. So as, you know, as the agenda setter that it is, as the, uh, the, that's why media is so important. But have you noticed, I don't know if you guys, did you watch it? It's, it was, they're still going on, you know, if about Kamala Harris. All right. That's great. Biden picked, Kamala Harris, and he picked his running mate. But let me tell you guys, if this was a functioning Democratic Republic, that would have been it. One story. Is there a reason for it to go on for days and days? Every single story, every show, everything that they talk about, the same panels, Oh, just mixed up. Oh, now oh, Jason Johnson's on. He's on Morning Joe, and, and then he's back on. He was just on Joy Reach, oh, every, and uh, Claire McCaskill, and the same cast of characters, the insiders. Who? That's it. Their job is done. It is unreal. It's okay, yes, Joe Biden picked his running mate. What else you got? We read a story on the show that I did last week when I was trapped in hell and living a thousand years in a week. But one of the stories we talked about was how a giant piece of the Arctic ice shelf has melted into the, into the ocean. Larger than the island of Manhattan. But not a mention on corporate media. It's great that Joe Biden picked his running mate. Wonderful. Does it need to be on a 24-hour loop? We have so much work to do. And it's, that's nothing. Great. Kamala Harris is your running mate. He did a great, how many times, my God. 
he's he's really showed you who he is by picking somebody who criticized him during the debate. Every does it, does that need to be on every hour? And I what did, do they send out emails to all the panelists on the corporate media? They're like, okay, in a block hour four, you will say how brave and great Joe Biden is for picking Kamala Harris because she criticized him. And then in the A block at the nine o'clock hour, I'll say that. And then we'll talk about how strong Joe Biden. I mean, it's like the same thing all day, all goddamn day. How historic it is. How little girl. Oh, I got. Oh, my God. I literally saw somebody, it was, she was saying it's such, but it was such bullshit. She goes, finally, my eight-year-old daughter said, said when she saw that Kamala Harris was the VP, VP pick, finally, this is what this woman said that an eight-year-old said, finally, um, it's finally, there is a female Asian woman of color as uh, the vice president pick. And I was like, sure, bitch. Sure, your eight-year-old said that. Like, that's how eight-year-olds talk, right? Finally, mommy, there is a female Asian woman of color. But, okay. Wonderful. They... They got what they wanted, the corporate media. They have won. You understand? Now they want us to shut the F up. Exactly, Jim, on the chat. An eight-year-old linguist. I, I thought I captured it. That's why I was, I, I was hoping I had it. Because I was like, you have to be kidding me. No, no eight-year-old talks like that. Finally. Mommy, an Asian woman of color is finally... Oh, and you know what? I, Guys, this is why I say please become a patron, because why? Why? At least help me out here uh, and make it worth my while <laughs> to sit there and watch Chuck Todd. Holy moly. There is nobody more useless than a Chuck Todd. And I guess, you know, you could say I talk about the corporate media a lot because of because of this show, too. And I feel like it's we have to talk about it. We have to be the antidote to the corporate media. And I hope that pointing out just how inane and stupid and useless the corporate media is that might wake people up and help us get out of this goddamn hole that we're in. We can do better than this. This is stupid. It's like what I just went through last week. I'm making joy. This, what is wrong with this country? We have work to do. And having Kamala Harris as the VP, that's great. But there's so much going on. And, uh, and it's beyond 
reason, frankly, listening to them blow smoke so much. I mean, just the smoke right up Joe Biden's ass after, I mean, whatever, years. He's not, he was not exactly, now it's, now we rewrite history again because he was never exactly the um, first choice of anybody, but he came, became that way when the corporate the entr- the entrenched corporate power structure saw that the uppity people might be getting a little too close to doing something about the upward immobility and income disparity. It's the truth. That's what happened. But the revisionist history is that all of the sudden, Joe Biden or the black people in South Carolina voted for Joe Biden. Because they, they all said, oh, no, hell no, we don't want a socialist. That's not what happened. The corporate media, they went right into gear and started, the, with, and they upped their incessant attacks, calling Bernie every, and his supporters, remember? Oh, the Bernie bro, we're all abusive. We're akin to brown shirts. Yeah, we're Nazis because we want to leave no one behind. We want to do something about a system that enables a Twitler, that makes a Twitler possible. We didn't do that. They did that. The corporate media did that. The Joe Bidens of the world did that. So, okay. I'm tired of this country and the revisionist history, to tell you the truth, guys. I really am. We should, that's another symptom of how sick this country is and why we're in trouble. Because we're too, what? We're too, uh, not distracted. We're just too fragile, I guess, to really tell the truth and look at ourselves and look at, well, where we went wrong. But we can do that, which is why shows like this have to continue and grow and become powerful, or whatever, not powerful, meaning powerful uh, reach, where nobody pays attention to the corporate media. That's the only way we're going to get out of this hole, where the corporate media becomes the... Just let the old, I don't know, Claire McCaskills of the world go and lick each other's asses. My God, it's all, all of them. It's what it's about. It's really felt like watching um, a bunch of rich friends, insiders, really yuck it up. While, meanwhile, the American people are on the brink. People are losing their homes and their, or their, not home, I mean, they're about to. People don't have jobs. Americans are on food lines. But, you know, here's the thing. That's not only Twitler's fault. Of course it's his fault. He sucks. But it's not just his fault. We have a Twitler because of the corporate media. And we have lines at food banks 
because of the corporate media and their nonstop drumbeat where they spread the propaganda that this country, we're not free unless corporations could ride us mercilessly to the bank. They have so much power. They could change the hearts and minds of the people. It all depends on what they focus on. The agenda-setting power of the media. They tell you what's important. Clearly, according to the corporate media, it is not important that a giant piece of the ice shelf just melted into the ocean. Again, I might add, that's not important. It's not important that the American people live paycheck to paycheck, apparently. Because I never hear that. I never, ever hear that on the corporate media. And, my God, they are, they really want progressives. Here's the thing. All right, let me just show you. This is something I captured. You know, Jason Johnson is, he is one of, He's part of the problem. Wait, I need a drink. And so he was on Morning Joe. I can't stand it. Why do I do this to myself <laughs> and watch these shows? It's all, it is because I watch them for anthropological reasons to dissect What's wrong with this country? I mean, that's really the truth. I'm what I and I ask you to do the same, frankly, to w- actively watch them as if you were an alien that just uh, teleported here from a, a uh, another planet, and you had to do you had to understand who the American people were and what what messages they were listening to. And then you'd really, when you when you kind of take that perspective on what you're watching, you take yourself out of it a little bit, just to study it. You see what what bullshit it actually is. What a disgrace it is! It's also disappointing because you know what? I'm not an alien. And I, I frankly, I wish they would arrive and save us finally. Wouldn't that be great all of a sudden? Like, beep boop, beep boop. Doot, doot, boop, boom, boom. <laughs> Who knew I needed the sound effect? What is that? Close encounter sound effect? <laughs> I need a producer. Somebody get me a producer. That's why I ask you to become a patron, too, because I can be like, get me that sound effect. Wait a minute. I'm trying to get it. <laughs> it doesn't matter now because everything in, t- in uh, life is timing, right? I've already blew the timing on this. <laughs> wait, wait. Come on, play. Wow, that's loud. 
beep, bop, boop, bop, boo. So, yeah, now I wish they would come finally beam me up already. Get me the F out of here. If I can't go to Ireland, I'll go to I'll go to Mars. I'll go to the some beautiful galaxy far, far away. But anyway, so I was watching the corporate media. Oh my god, there's so many things that are so annoying. Here's Jason Johnson talking to this is what really pissed me off this morning. Because they had Letitia James on Morning Joe. And let's not forget why Jason Johnson was periodically, well, not periodically, he was uh, temporarily taking, taken off of MSNBC because he, of his misogynist attacks on Bernie supporters who, happened, who also happened to be black women, right? So here he goes again. But no, it's all good now because they won. The corporate lickspittles, they're solidly in charge, and they are being protected. I wish. You know what it is? That's the thing. If I decided, or any of us, I mean, I've told you the story about Mike Malloy and Sean Hannity, right? All you got to do is be a corporate lickspittle, be a Chuck Todd, be a Jason Johnson, and you are guaranteed a seat at the table. They like you. Right? We're on our own out here fighting for the country that these people, you know, that the the thing that's so sick is that they pretend they're fighting for the American people. But what what are they doing? They are disparaging the very policies that we need. It's just, it's not about an opinion here. Or, you know, because here's the thing. Some things are just right. It either is correct or it's not. It's not about, oh, we just have different opinions. Either you believe in democracy or you don't. And if you do, then you understand that democracy and income disparity and concentrated wealth cannot exist at the same time. And if that, if you understand that, then you should understand that a corporate uh, power structure buying politicians in a government that we know the wants and needs of working people have a statistically insignificant effect on government policy, then you should know that you're part of the problem. If you don't recognize it, it's not about, this is what drives me insane. It's not about, we just have different opinions. You can't have a different opinion between what is right and what is wrong. Either you believe, it's like slavery or women's rights or being able, or women having the vote, let's say. There was a time where that would be considered a difference of opinion and some still think that way and I kid you not Republicans I could google it right now Republic there's recently now it's coming to my mind a Republican talking about oh it was actually a woman who said that oh no it was Ann Coulter right she said that oh one of the worst things that happened was women getting the right to vote 
This is who the Republicans are. Hence, as I say, the Republican woman has to be a bigger misogynist than the Republican man. Always. So, but there was a time where openly even women would say that. Women don't need the right to vote. Let the men. That's what men, that's why how God made us. For real. We know that. You know, if, if Phyllis Schlafly lived in the suffrage, suffered as, a, you, know, uh, you know, back in the suffragette days, she would be in the opposition of women getting the right to vote. No, absolutely. So, but there's either the right thing or the wrong thing. And in my opinion, some things are just right and some things are wrong. And if you believe in democracy, if we're supposed to be a functioning democracy, then it is just right, a right thing to do to have income uh, more, a more egalitarian nation. Because that's the only way a democracy works. And if you are so, so upset about a divided nation, that the people are so divided that we can't get along, then stop dividing us. Then you would know what's right and what's wrong is that, you know why? I, I mean, you don't need to be somebody that has a political science degree to figure out the games that they play against us, to look at it and see it for what it is, the divide-and-conquer game, while the rich get richer. It's, it's, the, it's exactly like what Trump is doing to the post office. It's right out in the open, the corruption, how he's undermining the post office, how he's trying to destroy the post office right before the election so he can claim that, uh, well, he can stop people from voting. That's the bottom line. That's what Republicans do but he's doing it right out in the open. It's this, it's, everybody recognizes it. But to me, the, the attacks on the working class are just as obvious to me. And they include the corporate media bringing the likes of a Jason Johnson on there after giving him the boot temporarily because of his misogyny. I guess we're all forgiven now, but he keeps it up. Now, here's this morning on Morning Joe, everybody, we all have to hear, oh, what do, it's like, you know, it reminds me of, uh, like, in high school, like, so a bunch of, oh, these are the in crowd. Let's find out what they, like, all the cool kids have to say. These people, we all, who the hell cares? Does anybody in the millennial generation, do you think any of them are sitting around asking, gee, I wonder what Jason Johnson thinks about this? The millennial generation, which is the most screwed over generation, probably in American history, being handed a shit show. They've they've grown up 9-11, the Great Recession, in the aftermath of Reaganomics, 
the in this kiss up kick down economy where you got you you leave college as an indentured servant to a bank instead of a a, a, a free american as republicans would say i'm saying that because i saw that i was i, I was telling you guys i was watching that coronavirus karen woman having a conniption in a las vegas casino because they asked her to wear a mask and then they were escorting her out. So she was screaming, yelling at everybody, calling them Nazis and saying, I woke up in America as a free American. And now they're throwing me out for not wearing a mask. I'm a free American. Oh, my God. These people are so tedious. I'm a free American. No, bitch. We're free not to breathe your, your sickening air. Oh, I hate them. Oh, my God. But anyway. Let me get to this Jason Johnson. My God. What a day. What a life. How many lives can I live in one lifetime? I feel like I'm, I'm exhausted from it all. All right, here's Jason Johnson on Morning Joe with Letitia James. Listen, just, we'll, we'll talk about it. Of a little guy standing up for the environment, standing up for women's rights, standing up for children, standing up um, for health care, uh, standing uh, again um, at a time when we find ourselves in this country more divided than ever, trying to bring us back together and united as one and recognizing our common interests. All right, for those on the podcast, that's Letitia James, the Attorney General of New York. But, you know, talking about the little guy, this is what we'll, this is the whole segment. First, let me, I'll play Jason Johnson because that's how I, I'll just fast forward. He's so annoying. Oh my God. And then we'll get back to the beginning. Uh, we'll play Claire McCaskill and how annoying she is. The reality is, is that Senator Harris will be the next vice president of these United that's States. That's Letitia James she's well talking. positioned to be the next president of these United States on day one. Jason Johnson has the next question. Jason? Oh, my God. I want to vomit. Look, listen. Attorney General James. Oh, my God. I know what he says. That's why I'm already getting irritated. <laughs> You're like, let me listen to it. Oh, my God. I'm just bracing myself. Ugh. Uh, one, uh, it's it's an honor to actually speak to you. I want to address something that is sort of an intercultural conversation. One of the main attacks from the far left and the far right on Senator Harris is the far left, everyone. It's nasty. She's a black woman that threw black men in jail. Okay. Let me rewind that. I apologize. Is this nasty? She's a black woman who blew, who, who blew, who threw black men in chains. Has the next question. Jason? Attorney General James, uh, one, uh, it's, it's an honor to actually speak to you. I want to address something that is sort of an intercultural conversation. One of the main attacks from the far left and the far right on Senator Harris is this nasty, she's a black woman that threw black men in jail, right? Despite the fact that Senator Harris has said that safety is a civil right and she was a progressive prosecutor. What the fuck does that mean? I'm sorry. All right, I'm doing it. I'm cursing. I, I apologize. What kind of question is that? Attorney General James, it's an honor to lick spittle your crack, but what 
what is this nasty attack against Senator Harris? A nasty? I thought, you know, in the same breath, these corporate media, these corporate media lick spittles are criticizing Twitler for calling women nasty, uh, rightfully calling, I mean, criticizing him, not rightfully him calling them that. I mean, you know what I'm saying. I'm saying they criticize him. This is what he said against Kamala Harris. She's nasty. So why is it okay for Jason Johnson to say that criticism against Kamala Harris for being a prosecutor who threw black men in jail. That is the truth. She was a hard-nosed prosecutor. That's one of the criticisms. There's no getting around that. That's not nasty. That is just goddamn being an adult. So you see what they do? It's on the far left. What's the far left? So what this lickspittle, this corporate misogynist lickspittle likes to, he's, what he's doing incessantly, I don't know why. Somebody must be paying him. I guess he likes that corporate check, making all those appearances on MSNBC. That's a good gig for somebody to suck up to the corporate media. To be part of the problem. To be somebody that enables a Twitler who could sit there and talk about the far left. You know, if Kamala Harris is ready for the White House, uh, she could take the criticism. But it is something that, you know, it's not off bounds to talk about in a country that has the most people behind bars. So great way to dismiss the entire dialogue. Don't even ask. Uh, it's nasty. Because we're, we're infants now. You can't ask a legitimate question because it's nasty, you see. One of these things on the far left, far left. Well, who's the left then? See, what he's doing is that what they, what these corporate lickspittles are doing, they're trying to pretend that anything that challenges corporate power is far left while the corporate power itself, that's just left. That's progressive. That's warm and fuzzy progressive. That is Earth Day sponsored by GlaxoSmithKline or Coca-Cola or... This is what the corporate media does and, and all of their enablers. It's everywhere. And, and all throughout history... There have always been people who just go along with the power structure and they don't, they don't, they, I don't, I really don't know if he truly believes that he's on the right side of history. The far left, what does he have against all Americans having health care or Americans not living check to check or not? Missing two paychecks and having to go to a food bank. 
This is what we're talking about. All of the statistics, all of the, it's not just statistics. This is real life. This is reality for, for the American people, for the majority. It is unacceptable for the American people to live check to check. That's what he should be talking about. Not that, oh, poor, poor Kamala Harris was asked about her history as a prosecutor. Why wouldn't she be asked in a country that has more people in prison than anybody, than any other country? So dismiss it as nasty? So he, she's ask, he's asking Letitia James, this bullshit, he's bullshit, he's nasty. That's the other thing. He's the nasty little goddamn Twitter corporate, I don't even know, I'm trying to think, troll? He blocked me on Twitter, so I, I can't. <laughs> because I said, you know, I mean, you know, you know why he blocked me. I said, first they laugh at you, then they, well, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. About Bernie. Uh, well, about him, you know, disparaging Bernie. And uh, honestly, it's not about Bernie, frankly. We understand that. Because Bernie's getting on my nerves, really. It's about the policies. Bernie was somebody who promoted the policies. I believe in those policies like I believe in breathing air and drinking water necessary for survival. It's not about having an opinion. One, uh, This is what so pissed me off this morning. Right in the goddamn minute I open my eyes, I get pissed. And nobody calls it out, though. He's just allowed. Because he's talking on, you know, about the right. He's on the right side of the corporate takeover of America. And that's what he's there for. One of these criticisms from the far left is this nasty... What is it like? Let's play it again. I want to vomit. Attorney General James, uh, one, uh, it's, it's an honor to actually speak to you. I want to address something that is sort of an intercultural conversation. One of the main attacks from the far left and the far right on Senator Harris is this nasty, she's a black woman that threw black men in jail, right? Despite the fact that Senator Harris... This nasty... Now, I want you to listen to the rest of his question because it makes absolutely no sense. One of the criticisms from the far left and the far right. The far left and the far right, right? You mean Nazis? What the hell is he... This is why, God, you please become a patron. This is ridiculous that we have to endure corporate... Ugh. These, these mouthpieces. The criticism of the far left and the far right is that... Kamala is this nasty, th th whatever. It's nasty that Ka Kamala Harris threw black men in jail. We, we can't criticize it. That, we, otherwise, we're nasty. We can't even ask about it, nasties. Don't, don't. Hey, corporate media needs to you to know. That's nasty. Do not. What do you mean you don't like living check to check? 
You, you want the corporations to pay taxes. That's so nasty. What do you mean you don't, uh, you don't like that you can't retire? You think that corporations, you think that the rich should pay an estate tax so their ill-gotten gains can't be passed on to their heirs tax-free and we don't have an intergenerational aristocracy to, to become so powerful that they destroy the democratic government itself. Nasty. You're so nasty. You think that you... One of these nasty questions about not dying needlessly without health care? That's so nasty. I'm so sick of this. Infantilism. Oh, you're nasty. Don't ask her about her history of putting black men in jail. Well, that's what she did. So she's going to have to explain it. Some people may think that's fine, but others are not happy about it. And she has to, she has some explaining to do, playing her part in a country that incarcerates more African Americans in particular and more human beings, you know, in, uh, in general than any other country. It's nasty, though. Give me a break. Well, if I... Uh, uh, here's what's nasty. This country's complete and utter immaturity. So nasty. All right, well, let's listen to the rest of the story here. The rest of the question, which is so ridiculous. So she, he says, she's... Um, what, one of the questions is that she, she's na it's a nasty question, despite the fact that she says, now, it doesn't make any sense. Listen. Right? Despite the fact that Senator Harris has said that safety is a civil right and she was a progressive prosecutor. At yeah, okay. Who, what, I said that uh, healthcare is a human right and that um, I'm a progressive what does that have to do with anything? So it doesn't make any sense. And this is why I ask you guys to watch with a with a critical mind. Cuz not only is he he's he's all he is doing is saying something negative about progressives. You understand? He's calling people who question this record, the, Harris's record on um incarcerating people of color which is getting on my nerves i get i always get emails from daniel uh, and i read them daniel so and he says and he explains that the the whole term people of color <laughs> and now it's really getting on my nerves because i see his point so thank you for sharing that with me daniel and educating me because it is a racist uh, throwback to colonialism to call people people of color. Let me see. Let me, he sent me something. I should have. I I what didn't expect to um, to bring it up, but it's irritating. People of color are protesting. Here's what you need to know about this new identity. Black 
leaders started using the term people of color in 1960s. Today it means something more. Let's see. It's a racist, it's kind of like a racist trope, though. Let's see. People of color. It's so annoying, though. One day, let's see. Uh, I'm old enough to remember when blacks were called colored, especially in the South, roughly from the 19th century to the middle of the 20th century. I remember using the word Negro. For older folks, such as my mother. Blah, 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 blah. I recall in the 70s when Black Power Movement was in its heyday and the slogan, Black is Beautiful, came into popular use. So what does the term people of color refer to? It is a throwback to the word colored and is used solely to describe African Americans. People of color is a term primarily used in the United States and Canada. Where does it come from? The Oxford English Dictionary says it's derived from a term used in the French colonial era in the Caribbean. It traditionally referred to people of mixed African and European ancestry who were freed from slavery or born into freedom. In the U.S. in 2016, our language reflects the continuing racialization hierarchy with white at the top. The use of people of color may be less offensive to some, say, than, say, specifying one's country of origin, like Mexican-American, African-American, and so on. Some people that I have asked say they prefer to use country of origin terms because they provide a connection between one's ancestral country and where they live now. So the question is, if we replaced white with European-American or Iranian-American, for example, could we then do away with the word white as well? Whatever, this is a long uh. Dan, you have to send me that article again about people of color. Because it's really... I'm not explaining it properly. Anyway, let's continue. Let, let's just play this again, though, first, because he makes no sense. Jason? Attorney General James, uh, one, uh, it's, it's an honor to actually speak to you. I want to address something that <laughs> is sort of an, an intercultural honor. conversation. Speak to any one of the main attacks like from spill. the far left and the far right on Senator Harris is this nasty, she's a black woman that threw black men in jail. Right. Despite this the fact nasty. that Senator Harris has said that safety is a civil right and she was a progressive prosecutor as an African-American. woman. Oh, well, that makes sense. Despite the f so we can't ask her about her record because she said that safety is a civil right. So what does that mean, though? And that she was a progressive prosecutor. It makes no sense. You understand? Despite the fact that. She said that safety is a civil right, so that means she should have thrown black men in jail? Like it was going out of style? Because safety is a civil right, so that means, what, are black men a danger to safety? And she's a progressive prosecutor, so what? She could say she's a giant purple people eater, too. It makes absolutely no sense. Well, he'll continue. As an attorney general, 
What do you think is the best and most effective messaging to push against that false narrative? You are in a position. Oh, well, thank you. Oh, shit. I hit the fucking wrong button. Well, thank you for telling us it's a false narrative. Not only is it nasty, it is false. No need for us to make a decision. That's what the corporate line is. This nasty, despite the fact that she said she's a progressive prosecutor. And safety is a civil right? Whatever. Uh, okay. So, okay. The question is, let's not question Kamala Harris's record on throwing black men in jail because she said safety is a civil right and it's nasty. You see what I mean? It doesn't... Nobody says anything about this. No no other American watching the corporate media this morning, they just listen to it. This is why it's so concerning. Maybe some of them were like, what the hell is he talking about? But for the most part, it, it is allowed to get out there. It is, it is allowed to be spread and disseminated. This, it's nothing but word salad meaning nothing, and the ultimate point is to call any question or anybody who questions far left and nasty. While he also says that it is a false narrative. How is it a false narrative? Reality can't be a false narrative when there are statistics. And I'm not here to criticize Kamala Harris. I really am not. I'm not. Honestly, I have to say, I am indifferent about her. I was pleasantly surprised it wasn't Susan Rice, to tell you the truth. And the thing that gave me hope was, like I said, her initial plan about health care. And the fact that she had said that we don't need a, a uh, insurance health insurance racket. Well, she didn't put it like that. But she said... It is a, it's an unnecessary industry, and we need to start over with single payer. And I was like, yeah, that's for real. So, you know, I'm not an expert in Kamala Harris in her whole life, or I did enjoy her questioning Bill Barr. I know she's going to be fun to watch when she kicks Mike Pence's ass. That's going to be great. I think she's kind of sexy, too, and she's, you know, that's so that'll be fun to watch. And, yeah, it'll be nice to see somebody who, in fact, I like her better than Joe Biden. Okay? It would be nice. Joe Biden, you want to be president? Obviously, you've had that ambition your whole goddamn life. And, I, and your wife is an amazing doctor. We know that. Maybe she could become the Surgeon General, like Whoopi said. But great. I'm I'll vote for Kamala Harris before I vote I, I vote for Joe Biden. You know what I'm saying? So that's fine. But please give me a break here. Here we go. Like, for example, here's uh, something. California oh fucking thing. Oh, I just opened an article and it told me I needed to buy a subscription. That's why I was like, God damn it. 
I have so many subscriptions. This is another reason I say please become a patron because it's costs money to make a goddamn show. You don't even know. Everywhere you look, somebody's latched onto you like a lamprey. Kamala Harris was a tough on crime prosecutor in Black Lives Matter era. This is from an article in the Appeal. Kamala Harris was a tough, tough on crime prosecutor. Okay, blah blah blah. As a law professor, where is it? Where is it? Come on, I'm on. Despite her claims of sympathy toward innocent men frame, Harris seemed to work hard to keep many of them behind bars or on death row. This is her record. I'm not, okay? I'm telling you. So to say that it's not something that should be addressed, whatever. I'm not trying to go on. People, I also got an email recently. Stop every time. Every time, I have to tell you, every time I do a show. Concentrate on Trump. I'll concentrate on Jason Johnson, please. Let's see. Well, uh, here's something from 2015. California prosecutor falsifies transcript while, uh, here's a doozy. The people of California versus Efrain Velasco Palacios, in this unpublished opinion from the Fifth Appellate District, the California Court of Appeal, revealed that the state prosecutors in California, Attorney General Kamala Harris, continued to be part of the problem. This is from an article back when she was the, the Attorney General. Kern County Prosecutor Robert Murray committed outrageous government misconduct quote-unquote, Ms. Harris and her staff defended the indefensible California state prosecutor Murray flat out test falsified a transcript in a defendant's confession. Kern County Prosecutor Robert Murray added two lines of a transcript to evidence that a defendant confessed to an even more egregious offense with which he had been charged, the already hideous offense of molesting a child. With these two sentences that the state's attorney, Murray, perjurously added, Murray was able to threaten charges that carried a life term in prison, capitalizing on the maximum of his outright falsification. The state's attorney, Robert Murray, committed his own crime. The prosecutor, Murray, had ample time and opportunities to correct his lies. And doing that, frankly, when you do something like that, so here's a guy that is being prosecuted for being a bottom feeder. Anybody who harms a child or an animal needs to, whatever, not be uh, in my vicinity. So, but by doing something like that, you falsifying documents, falsifying a confession, adding lines to a confession, you will you kind of endanger the whole community because that's something that can be used to overturn a conviction. So it could throw out the whole damn thing. Anyway, whatever. This is what... Apparently, she has a... She has a history of... 
hard-nosed tactics. But Jason Johnson says it is nasty, and she said she's a progressive prosecutor who believes that safety is a civil right. So whatever, falsifying documents, oh, oh well. Anyway, he's so annoying. Here we go from the far left and the far right on Senator Harris is this nasty, she's a black woman that threw black men in jail, right? Despite the fact that Senator Harris has said that safety is a civil right and she was a progressive prosecutor. As an African-American woman who's in the- Wow. You sure showed us. <laughs> it makes no sense. Attorney General, what do you think is the best and most effective messaging to push against that false narrative? You are in a position where you are having to sort of prosecute the law and everything else like that. How do you make that argument and break against that myth? And break against so that myth. We're in the midst of a historic moment. We're electing the first African-American black woman. And, and what did he say against that myth? In a position where you are having to sort of prosecute the law and everything else like that. How do you make that argument and break against that myth? How is it a myth if it happened? It's, do you see what I'm saying, guys? God. So we're in the midst of a historic moment. We're electing the first African-American black woman as the vice president of these United States at a time when we are... All right. Let me, anybody out there can answer me this. Does she answer the question? I'll continue. Seeing racial turmoil each and every day at a time when we are seeing individuals march peacefully all across this nation. And Senator Harris knows, like I know, that we have a responsibility and duty to defend their right to peacefully protest. To what the? She's not ask, answering the question. How do you push against that false narrative? She's saying people are marching in the street and we defend the right to... It's like... We have a pat stock answer, and it's going to come out. Do you understand? This is your corporate media in action, guys, that you have lick spittles and mouthpieces, millionaires and wannabes, and, uh, and the fans of millionaires who are fine with the least upwardly mobile, with the widest income gap country where people go hungry and homeless and needlessly die without health care. And they are on an incessant loop on these mega, these well-heeled megaphone platforms run by billion, you know, owned by billionaires where millionaires tell working people that, what is acceptable or not, what's nasty or not, what's far left, what it means to be an American. They have, re they have defined and redefined this country as being the American dream being the each, e yeah, all of us can have a decent middle-class life too. Now uh, I got mine, buddy. I got mine. You got yours yet? What's acceptable? So they spend this time. They ha they use this precious platform, and I say it like that because they have millions of eyes watching them to do this. They're not educating anybody. You have a corporate, a, a misogynist, corporate lickspittle who's completely fragile and thin-skinned 
to block the likes of me and others. He blo- he also b- blocked Michael Brooks for saying first they laugh. This I mean, come on, first they laugh. First they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then they what like what is what is your problem? So they have this platform that reaches so many people who are passively watching. And then they hear this. How do you push against Kamala Harris's false, this false narrative from the nasty far left? It's all these words. And then she answers with a non-answer about peaceful protesting and it's everybody's right to peacefully protest. Who the have said anything about it? And then nobody on the corporate media panel, they don't jump, jump in and say, what the hell did you just say? Can you please repeat? Because I didn't hear an answer to that question. They go, bravo. And the First Amendment. And she will do that. And she has done that, too. She has been in the forefront of, of discussions on issues related to the criminal justice. Um, she's talked about um, uh, bias training. She's talked about and she's implemented body cameras as the attorney general of the great state of California. What does this have to do with the nasty question, supposedly, that she's supposed to pushing, be pushing back on? Am I out of my mind here? Yes, I am out of my mind, but in regard to this. And Deborah, yeah, on the chat, he's so angry. He really is. I don't know what it is about Jason Johnson that makes him so upset about real progressives. It's it's probably, let me psychoanalyze this because I have a lot of therapy. I psychoanalyze myself all the time and I psychoanalyze others only because I'm an armchair therapist. But let's see, why is he so angry about the about people who are actual progressives? It's you know why? Let me think here. I I sometimes I can get inside somebody's head. It's because you know why? I just got it. He is he knows he's a phony. And he's really afraid, ultimately. He likes access and power. And yet, because of that, because of he's got a taste of the inside. And he doesn't want to lose that by going against the insiders but he also wants to pretend somewhere deep inside that he is on the vanguard of what it, of of uh civil rights human rights when he's not you know what I mean? that's what i think it is cuz he's a phony and we all know that we're really he's afraid maybe he in his heart wants to believe this narrative that he is somebody who is fighting for the American people. That's how they all frame themselves. But he, when he, so that's what, it's sort of like Mike Pence and his anti-gay stance. 
So when Jason Johnson sees actual liberals and progressives, that makes him angry. Because we show the world (laughs) what a phony he is. It's true. Yeah, that's it. It's like a gay, it's like a closet case who hates gays. Because they are living an authentic life, whereas, and that goes down to cowardice too. Because the closet case doesn't have the courage to live an authentic life. So they lash out to those, against those who have the courage, who do live authentic lives, in spite of, you know, even when it wasn't, uh, even when Hillary Clinton wasn't selling merch with rainbow flags. Something in my mouth. Uh, Yeah, that's it. He's a phony, and that's probably why he's so angry, because he doesn't want to, He's angry that he's a phony. He doesn't want to be called out for being a phony. He thinks he's advancing truth, justice, the American way. And he thinks he's, he wants to liken himself in his mind as someone like a MLK or, but he's, he knows he's not MLK. He's not somebody who would give up a nice lunch much less uh, sacrifice anything. He won't. He wouldn't sacrifice uh, telling the truth on a corporate media mouthpiece network, because that might that might uh, jeopardize his access, his platform, him being on that network. So therefore, that is why, rather than being simply dismissive of people he doesn't agree with and and owning just what yeah okay fine if you're a corporatist that's fine i mean i really have more respect for somebody who's an outright corporatist at least they admit it they don't act like they're your they're working on your side but that's what he does he pretends to himself. So when someone and when the real progressives are like, hey, you're a corporatist. You are nothing but a mouthpiece of the very interests that have their greedy fingers around the body, the neck of the body politic, and they are squeezing the life out of the American people. And, and enabling a country that is run of, by, and for the billionaires, and you're on their billionaire mouthpiece network, and of, by, and for the billionaires, meaning, you know, that's the end of democracy. So rather than own that about himself, he gets mad. That's why he's angry at real progressives. That's why he blocks. First they laugh at you, or then they ignore you, then they fight you, then they win, then you win. Because we, he, he can't, he handle everybody knowing what a phony he is. Because when real, if real progressives, if there were real progressives on MSNBC, 
next to him on the MSNBC media mouthpiece, uh, corporate media mouthpiece network, it would be so clear what a corporatist he is. That's why he's angry. Anyway, so Letitia James goes on and continues to say nothing about the question. Um, she has talked about a wide range of issues as it relates to institutional racism. Uh, what does this have to do with the question? Any The nasty question that is a false narrative, supposedly, in Jason Johnson's corporate, <laughs> corporate uh, colored glasses. <laughs> Not rose-colored glasses, corporate-colored glasses. Not the criminal justice system. And so we've got to um, talk about those issues, take them on, not be afraid of those issues. And Senator Harris has done that as a former prosecutor, as the attorney general, and as the United States senator. Let me also say um, that she is well-versed in foreign policy, um, and she is someone who is fierce when it comes to questioning individuals. So she has it all. She's the full package. What does this have to do? She didn't, he didn't, she didn't answer the question, first of all, but nobody points that out. Because damage done, we, uh, media, I mean, uh, mission accomplished. We got to call people the far left. We got to say it's a false narrative. So what does it matter? And nobody will challenge it anyway because people are just sitting there like, duh. We're prog far left. You know what far left is? You don't get to die without health care. Well, I guess that's your right as an American to die. Needlessly die. You don't have... I guess you might have a decent middle-class life without having to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and marry um, someone with a fake university and a vitamin scam. Like it used to be for that brief period of time. Well, it used to be for some white people. The white working class in a time called the Great Prosperity. But we are here to make sure that there is another great prosperity and it belongs to all of us, every one of us, regardless of what color of the pig, uh, your pigment is. And that's why um, she will make a great uh, vice president of these United States. And I'm so happy that um, Vice President Biden chose Senator Harris, she's going to excite the base, the base. <laughs> excite the nasty base? These Ball people rings. are, they, they make me sick, guys. I'm sorry. Whether you like me criticizing them or not, we will be criticizing them a lot. Hopefully Biden will win and we will stop the bleeding a little bit. We'll get a minute. But then our work is even more imperative you get it. You definitely do. Because they're going to go back to sleep. Back to brunch. Let me see. Any more super chats? Let's see. Anthony, thank you. They're disappearing. You know what I hate about YouTube? They changed everything again. Now I don't see the super chat. 
So annoying. God. Don't worry. I'll get my groove on. I feel like I'm still suffering from last week. <laughs> the far left. Thank you, Anthony, for your super chat. Thank you, Terry, for your super chat. And Jim, yet again. And Shannon, thank you. Morning, Mika. Tip jar, thank you, Jim. And again, Jim, oh my God, for swearing? That's all I got to do? <laughs> thank you, guys. All right. Well, let's go. Here's somebody who's really annoying. Claire McCaskill. Of a little guy standing up for the environment. Here's the thing that's women. so annoying. She, I don't know what. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with Letitia James. In fact, she's the attorney general of New York. I voted for her. She's a pretty good attorney general. She's pretty progressive. But uh, <laughs> and she's going after Twitler in many ways, which I appreciate. But what the hell? Did she have a script that she had to get through or something? Because it just seems like a lot of words that don't really say anything, but don't answer any questions. That's for sure. But whatever. And this is what the corporate media does. And I guarantee you guys, if you. Turn on the corporate media right now. What do you think they'll be talking about? Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, of course. Standing up for children, standing up um, for health care, uh, standing uh, again um, at a time when. What does that mean? Standing up for children, standing up for health care, change we can believe in. What does this mean? We find ourselves in this country more divided than ever, trying to bring us back together and united as one and recognizing our common interest. That's what we are all about. And so if we tend to, you know, uh, rub some individuals the wrong way, they're just going to have to get over it. The reality is, is that Senator Harris will be the next vice president of these United States, and she's well positioned. Joining us now, New York State's oh, attorney. Oh, boy. Wait, I hit the wrong button again. All right, let's just get to Claire. General, can you take a, a, a swipe at uh, those out there? Oh, wait, 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 wait. She's annoying. I have to play the whole thing. This is Claire McCaskill. Uh, General, can you take a, a, a swipe at uh, those out there that have a tendency to see women uh, as too ambitious when they are in a position like you are in or a position? Oh, that's another thing the corporate media kept going on about how it's beautiful that women can be ambitious, too. So they have, I guess they have a few talking points that all the mouthpieces can chew on incessantly. That Kamala now finds herself in, uh, or people who say, oh, they rub people the wrong way. Uh, can you talk about that path and um, how, you, how you navigate uh, those assumptions that somehow uh, when a woman is ambitious, it's unseemly, but when a man is ambitious, ye howdy, that's terrific. Ye howdy. It's just sexist in nature. Okay. And the reality is, is that we've got to stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with men each and every day. Whatever. Is that we've got to stand... Whatever. You want to... Okay, let's go and listen to... We want to hear something that's really useless? Let's listen to Chuck Tard. I'm sorry, guys. I have to do this to you. I know. 
something like that. Um, so uh, it, it, you're right about that, and that, and that in some ways, frankly, there's a part of me that doesn't mind that we didn't have to worry about all that kabuki theater, the, the, the hiding behind a... Okay, what he's talking about is this is when they made the announcement that Kamala Harris is the vice president running mate, and Chuck Todd, because he's such an astute and scintillating political commentator, uh, not, who really, how do these people get jobs? This is what bothers me. And it is really just a reflection of everything that sucks about this country. We have to put up with this because the six transnational corporations own the media. That's the bottom line. Whoever says, bring me Chuck Todd. We got to get Chuck Todd in here. We need his opinion on this what does he bring to the table being somebody who has nothing to say all he is is somebody who likes to sidle up to power and he says nothing oh he he's relieved that we didn't have to go through the kabuki theater of what uh th what he meant was the vice president running mate all the speculation about the vice president running mate and the vice president because uh, what the because here in the united states of serfs and lords because they're not reporting real stories they're reporting about the veep stakes the game show the bullshit they have turned the political process into a game show to our detriment. You think that the founding fathers had that in mind when they enshrined the press into the Constitution as the only profession vital to democracy? They had in mind that six transnational corporations would own the, the me megaphone and that they would turn the very process of electing our representatives into a game show. And then they, they feign relief that we didn't have to go through the kabuki theater, which makes me think that Chuck Todd doesn't really understand what kabuki, what, what it means. Kabuki theater? Of what? Of the... He, he meant the vice president wannabe or the possible candidate sneaking around... Because our press corps, that's what they do. The corporate, the billionaires who own the corporations, who own the corporate media, send out journalists. They're not out there reporting on things that actually matter, that have life, that life and death consequences. They're not out there waking the American people up to the income disparity that has destroyed this country. It has destroyed it. It's, I'm saying it in the past tense deliberately. Because unless we get, a, get it back, unless we restore the progressive taxation, 
that ensures that we have a country that works for all, that we don't have billionaires. We don't make billionaires in this country. That's what the corporate media, if the corporate media was, if we, were, if we had a functioning media that was actively participating in democracy as designed, you think that there would be um, uh, dozens of reporters stalking who stalking potential vice presidential candidates so they can get the scoop on the announcement? Like who cares? An entire piece of the Arctic ice shelf just melted into the sea again. How many more people died? It's about waking people up. But that's not what they're in business to do. They're in business to ensure that we, when, when, whenever we get a little bit close to maybe making a more perfect union, that... Their lick spittles and mouthpieces fly into gear with their nasty and their false false narrative alert. And what what's so what's a false narrative when it's true? What we have more people in jail than any other country. Where's the false narrative? The Kabuki Theater. Why don't they sneak around getting information on the corruption in this government? How politicians are bought and paid for. And Twitter is just the most egregious example of this. He is doing what they blazed the trail. They allowed him to come to power because the broken system is broken. There's nobody sneaking around. I, we could have avoided this. How about they sneak around and find out why, what, what politicians are hanging out or palling around with the same billionaires who don't pay taxes? And what's in it for them? And what, I mean, it's just, to me, it is so goddamn clear the corruption is so out in the open and the corporate media is there to put us to sleep. And they're doing a good job. A garage post or having, didn't Paul Ryan sneak out of his house, go across a river or something? Yeah. It, maybe getting rid of the Kabuki theater. Shut up. I do, since you had, I, I could have listened to you and, and Michael go all day on, on LBJ um, reminiscing there. But I want to make one other historical point that it may have been made that I think is is not being, uh, that not a lot of folks are making. And that is, to me, this is a, a Reagan-Bush parallel. Shut up. You know, in 1980, <laughs> when Reagan picked Bush, there was a lot of conversations of, well, geez, he's the guy that used the most effective attack on Reagan in the primaries, voodoo economics. And yet it did unite the party. And it was a time when, when the Republicans oh thought they saw political blood in the water. They saw a big opportunity. Don't have an ideological fight. Don't unite the party. Uh, here's what Joe Biden, saying? 2020. Here we are 40 years later. A lot of us think 2020 is looking like 
1980 type of situation. You have this, Why? you know, the Iran hostages, this is pandemic, but sort of this giant pall that's over the nation. And here Biden is overlooking somebody who made the most effective attack on him in Kamala Harris and bringing her on board. It does send a message of unity. And it does, it is a reminder that he wants a very sharp campaigner. That's I mean, another thing. Look, her campaign. They kept saying, oh, what a, he's a man. What a man. He picked a woman who criticized him. That shows you a man. And struggled because you could argue, was she trying to be in the progressive lane or the Biden lane and, you know, the moderate lane? And she was sort of. Shut the F up. Where's my cat? I need my cat. You get it? I want to get out of this country. I need to get the F out of here and go to Mars or something. Who can stand this? Am I wrong here? Does anybody actually enjoy watching the corporate media what do they bring to the table and you're talking about people who are paid millions how much money does chuck todd make let's see salary chuck todd's salary hmm chuck todd net worth 2020 Chuck Todd is best known as a journalist. What? Please. He's a journalist? That's what journalism is now. Where is his net worth? Estimated net worth in, 19, in 2019. $5 million. He gets paid $5 million, guys. That guy right there. To do what? What does he... I, I mean, really, it's appalling. This country is broken. $5 million for that? There's a lot of money in the corporate lickspittle business. Five what? Peter Griffin says Chuck makes twenty eight million. Really? Well, I mean, I'm only getting my information from the internet, so we don't know. Chuck Todd. Let's see what is. What, maybe that's his worth. Oh, it says Chuck Todd net worth. Chuck Todd is an American. News political moderator who has a net worth of $2 million. There's a lot of back and forth about, oh, it's quite, uh, but it, it's not, uh, it ain't, you know, he ain't driving an Uber. He's not working his third uniquely American low-paying job. He's not running door dashes. $2 million. It, it's pathetic why but this is you know what we're up against it really is
I hope I'm making the case as I will. Oh, look. Well, Brian Williams, $40 million. He makes $40 million. At least he's somewhat interesting, though, more than Chuck Todd. And he does, he seems knowledgeable. Whereas Chuck Todd is average at best. His intellect, I mean. And I would categorize him as below average, frankly. Brian Williams, he's sometimes he he puts things in context. He has a somewhat of a sense of humor. He is it's clear that he is intelligent. He's definitely more interesting than Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd is like I I'm baffled at him, frankly. He's one of the he's he's the Willie Geists of Chuck Todd's. Because I don't understand. What do they bring to the table? And I'm sitting here going, please become a patron. Please become a patron. And I contend yet again that we know this country's on the right track. When Chuck Todd is sitting in his living room with his cats saying, please become a patron. While I'm on a platform that has millions of viewers. That's how you know the country is... Finally, back on track. And I'm not just saying that. It's true. Where me, Mike Malloy, Bob Kincaid, and the Jeff Waldoff, real progressives, are up here. We have millions of viewers, and the corporate lick spittles, Chuck Todd and Willie Geist, have their little podcasts. They're trying to break... Uh, they're doing their, uh, you know, break, break, I don't know. They're trying to get some more patrons. It's true. That's how you know. Would you think that anybody, who would listen to a Chuck Todd podcast? Really? Put that in context and think about that. If Chuck Todd sat in his living room with a podcast saying, well, you know, it's like the Kabuki Theater I'm glad we didn't have to see that Kabuki theater. Meaning, I guess Kabuki theater is, uh, to me, it doesn't make, it's not whatever. He's just saying Kabuki theater. It doesn't apply because he was saying that Paul Ryan running around, going through the backyard to avoid cameras is Kabuki theater. Whereas Kabuki theater is a, a theater that pretends to be something it's not, right? Am I wrong? Anyway. But Kabuki Theater. What is Chuck Todd? Imagine him with a podcast saying, please become a patron. Who would be a patron? The only reason he has, he's he's worth $2 million or whatever. It's because the corporate media, the corporate giants, or whatever they are, they give him a platform. They shove him down our throat like they shove Jason Johnson down our throats because he, he totes the party line. He'll call the real change that we need the far left. 
he'll disparage it as nasty, far left and nasty. I mean, what is the difference between Twitler calling Kamala Harris nasty and Jason Johnson calling progressives nasty? It's the same lazy, infantile, stupid attack on the truth. But nobody will say anything because he's being protected by the corporate establishment. Anyway. Arguably, she was caught in the middle like an armadillo, right? But, but oh. she- She's caught in the middle like an armadillo. Well, now I know why you make the big bucks, Chuck Todd. Let's rewind it a little. You know, the Biden lane and, you know, the moderate lane, and she was sort of, arguably, she was caught in the middle like an armadillo, right? But but she always has been an effective prosecutor at prosecuting a political case. And, boy, remember, a lot of people, Brian, believe that the number two, the best way a number two can be is to be the prosecutor against the the opposition. And she's very good at that. Okay. Yeah, she is very good at that. And Chuck, wow. to your point in plain sight, uh, before I uh, get on my way, it all goes back to the notes that were captured in his pocket uh, by digital <laughs> yeah, photography, right. uh, where he said something to the effect of hold no grudges or don't hold a grudge. And the proof was right. right there, what he was prepared to litigate had he gotten a question about Kamala Harris. Anywho, hey, uh, we're two minutes Brian, into your hour. Uh, Meet the Press are. Daily has begun. I'll give you one, Chuck. I'll give you one more little thing very yeah, quick. I do think he used, he used the Veep stakes to elevate a lot of women in the party. And, you know, yes, there was a little bit of optical research you. dumps, things like that. But if you think about it, Val Demings looks more formidable today than she did at the start of this. You know, Karen Bass looks like a, a more formidable today than at the start of this. Gretchen Whitmer. I think Biden deserves credit if you're a Democratic Party leader that he used the process to elevate future stars or current stars in the party and given them a, a larger platform. Wow. Such a scintillating commentary. Now I know why you make the big bucks. <laughs> Nice job, Chuck Todd. Anyway, F them. God. It's so annoying. I'm sorry I have to share it with you and annoy everyone. The veep stakes. There is nothing more annoying than listening to the veep stakes. Them call call it the veep stakes. Because we've allowed this. You understand? We've allowed them to do this to us, to drag us down to this inanity, to turn a a process that should mean something into a game show for their ratings. Seriously. We've allowed that. They should be ashamed of themselves, just like Joe Biden and anybody who promotes a policy that leaves 10 million out a health policy, they should be ashamed of themselves. And if this was a functioning democratic republic, any, uh, I, I, they would be ashamed. The American people would understand. They would say, what is this? This doesn't serve the constitutionally prescribed role that, a, that journalism is supposed to serve to inform the public. What are they doing? 
Yeah, we got it. You did your job. We know. We didn't need you to go on and on and on saying the same thing with the same old corporate lick spittles. But it's about setting an agenda. Here's Joy Reid. You want to get more annoyed? Be a better selection. He's taken us back to the start. She was always the most logical choice. He did a lot of searching. He did a lot of research, and he came right back to where he really should have always been. I think this is a great day for this country. Joy, is there anyone whose reaction you're curious about or waiting to hear as uh, as we go on into the evening? Anyone who you're worried about embracing this choice? I'm not worried because I'll tell you, black women that I spoke with, after the conclusion of the primary, there was a sense of non-buyer's remorse, specifically about Kamala Harris. I can't tell you, Brian, how many black women said to me, you know what, looking back on it, I wish that I'd gotten information for her. You know what? Oh, my God. Looking at it, the fact that in the end, mainly black people said, you know what, let's choose this white guy, right? This older white guy said, darn it, we missed an opportunity. And I think there's so many black women, her, you know, the sororities, the, you know, the organizations that all literally could have really gotten information for her. I heard a lot of non buyers remorse. And so I think that black women in particular, that women in general are ready to get information for this woman. Shut up. All right. One more thing to annoy us. Jonathan Capehart. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Jonathan, I got to get the auntie report because I know your auntie has been very opinionated about who the president should choose as his vice president. So how is auntie feeling uh, and what is her what are her thoughts? And then you can give yours, too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Well, my, my aunt Gloria, who said from the very beginning, y'all, it's going to be Joe Biden. So she was right about that. But she um, yeah. thought that actually she thought that uh, Vice President Biden should have picked uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren. She was on record ha as having said that. She had a little flirtation with Kamala Harris uh, at the beginning of June, but went back to Elizabeth Warren because, you know, she's listening, as she was saying, to the young people in her life. Mm -hmm. But I emailed to her because Twitter's like, what's Aunt Gloria saying? What's Aunt Gloria saying? And Aunt Gloria <laughs> is thrilled. She thinks it's a fantastic choice for her. I mean, she's an African-American woman in North Carolina. Yeah. Um, and she yes. wants this president out. And so for her, the overriding issue and goal is to is to remove Donald Trump from from the White House. She would have been yeah. over the like overjoyed if it had been Elizabeth Warren. But she is yeah. extremely happy that it's that it's Senator Harris. Well, <laughs> that's why they make the biggest books. It's worth it. It's all worth it, guys. They're really doing their job. And that's their job. To make the world, to make the country safe for oligarchy. And Gloria, nothing more inane than the entire conversation about who the F Aunt Gloria wants. While, I mean, what does it feel like to be an American in a country? It, well, let's say 
not just an American, an American who has lost their job, let's say, in, and I don't just mean on the Drew Barrymore show, because <laughs> I call that, I don't call that losing, I call that winning, so don't worry about that, but someone who is laid off in a service industry that isn't coming back, these job losses that are permanent, people who have to, they're, they're living with relatives now because they can't afford rent. What does it feel like to be that person in a country that behaves like this, that behaves like we just reviewed on the corporate media? Because in my opinion, if this was a country worthy uh, that was a democratic republic. If it was worthy of those who fought, bled, and died, if all if it was worthy of the sacrifices of the men who stormed the beaches of Normandy and left their lives on the battlefield there, if it, that if they were if we were worthy, if this was a country worthy of that kind of sacrifice. We would have a media that would, yes, report. Make a, yeah, tell the American people, Joe Biden has picked his running mate. But then they would go on with the business of reporting the news. And why? What, what needs to be fixed? What is at stake? And it isn't just that a disgusting orange con man might cheat his way into another election win despite receiving fewer votes and he is doing that make no mistake it's out in the open he is signaling it all of the attacks on the post office on mail-in voting that's not for show he will not go peacefully but they they brought us to this it is people like them who brought us Twitler? They brought us this catastrophe, and they don't want to fix it. They want to put their head in the sand. Yeah, they hate Twitler. That's not good enough, though. For some reason, they seem to think that Joe Biden has this in the bag. With the cheating and all and everything else. It's not a given. But I I don't know. What do I know? I've only been right every other time. All right. One here's another thing. Where are you guys? You know what sucks about this new YouTube? I hope I can figure it out. Is that the Super chats go away. So when I don't see your super chat, and it, uh, when you do it, it goes away. Like, yeah, I see you, Patricia. Thank you. I know. Peter on the chat. This is comedy, actually. It's true. Watching corporate media. If only it was just comedy. 
Really, right? Let's see. I'm reading some of the chats. I want to say hello to Peter and Covert White Rabbit and Greg and Terry and John. And who else? Haiku, welcome. Late. Haiku. You were late. Patricia. Peter. But, uh, who else is here? Jim, of course. Andrea. Sin City. Shannon, of course. Anyone else on the chat? Anywhere else on uh, any other channels, please come over to YouTube. That's where I'm reading the chats. Mark C. Hello. Guyan Stewart. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Mark C. Andrea, Terry. I don't want to miss anyone. Peter. Sin City. Where's everybody? Where's everybody? Patricia. Hmm. What? Yes. Patricia says, anyone hear Malcolm Nance explain this morning on how they, I think he meant POC, people of color, wanted Harris as their pre presidential pick but realized that she couldn't win, so they got together with Clyburn. What? They have such long-ass explanations about pulling bullshit out of the air. Except, like, for example, with the Bernie thing, with Bernie won Nevada, then corporate media went insane, fearing that, you know, they might have to pay taxes and maybe they'll be regulated so we will have a f democracy that works for more than just the 1%. Oh, my God. So they went on the attack, calling everybody, including supporters, everything under the sun, including Nazis, calling them brown shirt, calling me, basically. And uh, then th the narrative is that the people of South Carolina got together and all said, oh, no, we don't want a socialist now. Let's vote for Joe Biden. When Joe Biden was always going to win South Carolina, that was a given. But the way that they framed the narrative, it they, they really went nuts. Uh, it was good for a minute, thinking that this country might actually have universal health care. Before I die. So, all right. One, here's some things. From Common Dreams. Now comes the difficult work of pushing the Biden-Harris ticket left. By Natalie Shore. If Biden, <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus, sorry. This comes from me not sleeping. Now that presumptive Democratic presidential nominee, Joe Biden, has officially announced former presidential candidate Senator Kamala Harris as his running mate, the only surprising thing about the pick is that his team waited so long to announce it. After all, Harris has, been, has long been considered a front-runner for the position, but 
The Biden campaign nonetheless stalled, dragging the vetting process out for months while lending openings for Biden allies to snipe at VP hopefuls in the press. Target, targets included Harris herself, whom former Senator Chris Dodd tried to tar as too ambitious, a tone-deaf jab that teed up sharp rebu- rebukes on social media. Hold on, I need to... Jeez, whatever. <clears throat> In retrospect, the reason for the delay was likely an abundance of caution, which makes perfect sense. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, let's just move on. Harris has now been anointed as the safest option to carry out the strat- a, that strategy forward, a woman who's already recognizable at the national level and who served in office for long enough that claims of inexperience don't distract from the steady, undistinguished campaign that Biden is trying to run. Harris's status as the first ever black woman born of Jamaican and Indian heritage on a major party ticket is also likely an asset in appealing to young Democratic voters whom Biden was largely unpopular with during the primary. For progressives and those on the Democratic Party's so-called left wing, Biden's candidacy has been a tough pill to swallow. After all, with an ongoing nationwide uprising against structural racism, amidst a crushing pandemic and economic economic collapse, which... What circumstances could better illustrate the need for the typical, the type of confrontational systematic change proposed by candidates like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren? Yet now, with unemployment spiking and millions taking to the streets to assert that black lives matter and demanding officials defund the police, we're in, we're in the inevitable position of being forced to acknowledge that voting for Biden, the author of the gruesome 1994 crime bill, and Harris, a former tough-on-crime prosecutor, is undeniably better than the alternative. Yes, well, that's nasty to bring up that tough-on-crime thing. And it's also a false narrative from the far left. If there's a silver lining to this pick, it's that other frontrunners for the VP nomination like Michigan Governor Gretchen Gretchen Whitmer and former Obama National Security Advisor Susan Rice are on paper all more conservative than Harris. Moreover, some evidence that Harris is something of a political weather vane. If she rose to national prominence as a moderate prosecutor, she's moved markedly to the left since since 2016 and developed one of the most progressive voting records in the Senate. For example, in the current 116th Congress, she's voted with Sanders 92% of the time and even signed on to his Medicare for All bill before introducing her own more watered-down version during the primary, which, like I said, gives me hope. Wouldn't that be nice to not have to worry about health care for once? Not have to go goddamn bankrupt? Who can afford it? Nobody. The more, more recently, she's joined Democratic Socialist Rashida Tlaib in calling for monthly direct cash assistance of $2,000 during the pandemic and introduced a sweeping housing bill calling for a year-long eviction freeze. Well, that's what gives me hope, too. 
Do you think that Kamala Harris, what do you what do you guys think? If she became the VP and then the president in four years, which would be fine. Hopefully she'll be, hopefully that'll be, oh my God, could you, I, I just can't handle Twitler for another four years. But you think she would be like Joe Biden was in the Senate and even Barack Obama was as president and try to work and please the corporate interests? I doubt it. I really think that she would be like, F you. I'm going to enshrine my legacy and push for Medicare for all. That's my wishful thinking. But then I was also, when Obama was running, when he was first running, well, when he first became president, I was really hoping he would be like the new FDR. And I was sad, sadly mistaken. But her leftward shift has been acknowledged by Laura Basil, Basil, Baselin. I'm sorry, guys. I gotta, I'm really not, you have to understand, first of all, how exhausted I am. Not that you don't have to do anything, really, but I'm explaining. I am so tired. <laughs> I feel like I've been through hell. And yes, I slept last night, but I have not been sleeping. So I really kind of feel out of it altogether. Hopefully, it'll pass. When I start getting past this PTSD a little bit. The San Francisco law professor who authored the New York Times story that was arguably the most influential case against Harris's prosecutorial record. As Bazelon described Harris's evolution in an NPR interview, her record has been consistent and it's been good. And in my hope, she's going to continue in that vein, first of all, because it's the right thing to do. But second of all, pragmatically, because that's where the country is moving. That's good, right? The group's Roots Action and Progressive Democrats of America were slightly more blunt in their assessment of Harris's selection. While her penchant for taking positions broadly palatable to the corporate donor class raises concerns about her dedication to progressive principles, her habit of aligning her stance with the prevailing political winds gives us hope. Ultimately, while defending... While defeating Trump remains a priority, it's up to those of us on the left to generate the wins we want to prevail by building power outside of the presidential politics. And hello, that's why we're here. Talking, taking to the streets for racial justice, strengthening the labor movement, demanding universal health care, establishing tenants unions, electing more candidates up and down the ballot who are committed to taking on corporate power to benefit the working class, this is how we will reorient politicians' initiatives and priorities. The weather vanes will follow. And that's why we're here. Without a corporate media, I mean, without a liberal media, the corporate media, that's another story which we went through. But without this, without an independent liberal media, we're done. We will 
there'll be no reason for anybody to move to the left. We're building a community here. And we have to grow. The show has to get bigger. We need more patrons. We need more people to join us and grow the show. And hopefully by that time I'll have some sleep a little bit. That's all I ask. It's just a little bit. All right, one last thing. It's getting late. I need to sleep. Before I... I don't know. We we don't have to go. I was going to play because did you guys see Joe Biden's announcement? And he's really... He's not my favorite. I'm sorry. I will vote for him. Okay? We always have to say that. But... He's really annoying. That's why I would rather listen to Kamala Harris. Put her on. And I have a feeling when I was watching Joe Biden speak and then he was introducing her and she was speaking, I have a feeling that's going to be kind of a pattern where people are like, can we get Harris in here? Like, where's Harris? Because I'm really tired of Joe Biden yelling at me. You know what I mean? That's his shtick. He likes screaming at everybody. That's what he did in the debates. And he did it today, again, yelling at everybody. Wear a mask. Yeah. I don't know. It's fine. That's how he talks, though. I'd rather listen to him go on about corn pop. But he... It reminded me when he was in the debates. Here he is yelling at us in the debates. He cheats. He does not do anything to promote people generally. Secondly, we have to rebuild the middle class. And the only way we're going to do that is to be able to reach across the aisle. My dad used to say, a job's about a lot more than a paycheck, Joey. It's about your dignity. We have to restore people's dignity. And lastly, we have to unite the country. Because, folks, it's time we stop walking around with our heads down. We are better positioned than any country in the world to own the 21st century. So for God's sake, get up. Get up and remember, <laughs> this is the United States of America. There's nothing, nothing we've been unable to do when we decide we're going to do it. Nothing at all. Period. Oh, my God. Shut up. Nothing? Except what? Universal health care, right? Yeah, let's remind them. There's nothing we can do with nothing we can do. Nothing we can't do. Get up. We're Americans. Stop walking around with your head down. I'm not walking around with my head down, bitch. I'm tired. I'm walking. If my head is down, it's because I'm fucking walking. I'm like sleepwalking from my uniquely American jobs. With no retirement, no health care, no security. I'm exhausted if I'm walking with my head down. There's nothing, 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 nothing we can't do. Then where's health care? I'd like to go to a doctor. How about that? So if there's nothing we can do, why doesn't the likes of Jason Johnson ask him? Hey, if there's nothing we can't do, why is it 
that we can't have universal health care without, you know, worrying about a bunch of people, a bunch of greed-centered, an entire industry of greed that has killed Americans for generations. And I'm here, that's why I'm here, guys, to reframe the narrative. Because by the time I'm through, hopefully, the American people will understand that the insurance racket is needless. It's a needless racket. And it's part of the problem. And it is our patriotic duty to get rid of it. And I'm sorry if you work for the insurance racket. We will help you find another job. But, you know, it's not about... It's, a, it's about everybody in, nobody out. All right. What is this? Greg on the chat says, I left my cat outside. What? Oh, I just let my cat outside. I just let my cat outside. You better be careful. You better put a bell on that cat, Greg. Your cat is a serial killer. Killing birds. Needlessly killing them. And the other thing is, you don't want her to eat a an animal, a mouse perhaps, that has eaten some poison. And your cat will be sick. So put a bell on the damn cat. And give those birds a fighting chance. And if I have to send you a bell, I will. Maybe I should do that. I should just send you a bell. That would be something good for the for the store. Maybe I should... I don't know. The thing is, with our merchandising store, there are only certain um, products. It's not like we have a... I can, I can have any products. But that would be fun, though like a cat collar or a dog collar, some kind of collar. Since we have a lot of animals, we talk about animals a lot. Maybe there's some animal, some animal paraphernalia. Cat bells in particular. All right, one more thing, one last thing. I just wanted, I wanted you guys to know, I saw this and it alarmed me, and this was tonight I saw this, so I'm not going to stay on too much longer because I do need to go to sleep so I don't get sick. Er. That we know how the, how Republicans hate the post office and it's being reported. It's not just that they hate it. They've always hated it. It's a unionized workforce. It connects the community. It fosters a community spirit. People like the post office. They see it as government doing something right. Sending a letter for 40, whatever, 40-something cents forever stamp from New York to California across the country in two days for 45 cents. You know, that's a good deal. And so Republicans are trying to destroy it. Also to claim that there's fraud in the election to mess up the election and seize power. This is actually happening. Guys, this is what autocrats do. But 
Anyway, another thing that they have done besides the Friday night massacre where Trump's postmaster general, the disgrace to America known as Louise, Louis DeJoy, not Louise, whatever, he might call himself Louise when he's in private, but I have no idea. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But so another hater of America, these anti-American, unpatriotic agents of fascism. Fascists have always plagued the human race in one form or another. People who don't have any ideology, their ideology is what's in it for me. They would sell their own mother down the river. They don't care if their very actions are a disgrace to all of those who've ever sacrificed their lives for this country. They don't care. Are they doing well? Are they protected? Do they have theirs? Who cares? So this Louis DeJoy, what they did tonight, or it's being reported that they're removing mail sorting equipment from the U.S. Postal Service from the different branches. So deliberately ensuring that the mail is backed up. According to Salon, Igor Derish writes, mail sorting equipment is being removed from the U.S. Postal Service offices amid a slew of operational changes implemented by the new Postmaster General Louis DeJoy, according to the head of the Iowa Postal Workers Union. Numerous reports have detailed how changes made by DeJoy, a top donor to Effin Twitler, and the filthy fascist Republican Party have cut overtime and changed policies which have slowed down mail delivery across the country. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi and Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer said last week that DeJoy had confirmed that contrary to prior denials and statements minimizing these changes, the Postal Service recently instituted operational changes what he says, quote-unquote, operational changes, shortly after he assumed office. This is somebody whose mission is to destroy the very institution he is sent to supposedly protect. This is what Republicans do. They have been doing this my entire life, and now it's, it's actually happening. They are this close to destroying this country for good. And, I'm, and the country will go on, but it won't be democracy. Oh, yeah, there'll still be a flag. There'll still be eagles and stars and dumbasses wearing ugly shirts with all those with flags and stars saying these colors don't run and freedom isn't free. There'll be all that bullshit. But there won't be a democratic republic. That's for sure. But they'll still wave the flag. They'll wear their made-in-China American flag lapel pins. They'll say that they're working for the people. 
We believe these changes made during the middle of a once-in-a-century pandemic now threaten the timely delivery of mail, including medicines for seniors, paychecks for workers, and absentee ballots for voters. That is essential to millions of Americans, they wrote in a letter to DeJoy. This is Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. Calling the cost-cutting measures counterproductive and unacceptable? That's, you, that's all you got, another strongly worded letter. Another concerned letter. The USPS, which underwent a controversial shakeup after de- controversial. Are you serious? I mean, I, I like Salon, but it's controversy? Controversy? No, no, no. It is a deliberate attack. So when real things happen, well, we, we can't question the real things, you know, that's because it's nasty and it's a false narrative. But here's, this is, uh, it's a controversial shakeup. Controversy. The controversy is that they are destroying the oldest institution of America that is vital to a functioning society. What is this country? If they have their way, we will be a country the, the, the same, the likes of the country the founders the founders rebelled against where the rich run everything everybody is in their place we are it's a neo feudal corporate state well, you might, we might even have some slums in there too a la india don't don't think it can happen Especially when you have a, an opposition party who the best they can do is say, this is very concerning, and write a strongly worded letter. Uh, while the corporate media goes on. And on. I mean, they have mentioned this on the corporate media a little bit about the attacks on the Postal Service, but that should be on the incessant loop punctuated by periods of reminding Americans that Joe Biden picked Kamala Harris. There's no need to make it uh, a 48-hour affair uh, on loop with the same mouthpieces saying the same things. This, you want to do something about things? This is what needs to be on the incessant loop. What a different society we would have if stuff that actually mattered was on the loop. What if uh, on the loop there was like the day that Twitler took office and he signed the executive order allowing filthy, disgusting so-called hunters to shoot hibernating bears? I didn't hear that on the corporate media. And bear cubs. Maybe that would have... Yeah, been appalling to people and things would have changed. Or how about I didn't hear a single story on corporate media about how Trump removed every single FDA inspector off the murder line at the slaughterhouses and now slaughterhouses self-report whether they have pigs 
feces, toenails, and uh, vulvas and penises in the meat, in, in the in the slaughter house, whatever, in the disgusting corpse line. Not only did he remove the inspectors off the line, he also signed another executive order saying that it was okay to have feces and toenails and these gross, disgusting parts of a, of a poor, slaughtered, murdered pig that human beings cannot digest. That's the stuff that goes into the dog food and the cat food usually because they can digest it. We don't have the means to digest it. Then you will get sick. But that's, that's Republicans for you. That's how much they love you and, know, and think you're great. They love the American people, our great American people, great people. So great. What a great person. Great, great, our great people. They love you so much, great people, that they want you to eat shit. Literally. And in fact, if you've eaten pork, the FDA inspectors say, it's not a matter of if you ate pig shit, but that you did. Because 90% of the food supply is tainted. That's Twitler. I didn't hear that on corporate media. You know why? Because corporate media protects its own. They're not going to go on about stories about how corporate media, about how corporations are getting away with the most vile and egregious offenses against the American people, that it, it will literally make you disgustingly sick that they are literally feeding you shit? But I don't hear that. All I hear is uh, Aunt Gloria. Who she thinks? Aunt Gloria was for the kids. All the kids liked Elizabeth Warren, supposedly. Nobody says anything about Bernie Sanders. Well, whatever. All right. Kimberly Carroll, the head of the Iowa Postal Union, told NPR that there have been even more changes than previously reported. We're beginning to see these changes and how it is impacting the mail. Mail is beginning to pile up in our offices and we're seeing the equipment being removed, she said on Tuesday. So we're beginning to see the impact of those changes. Curious, explained host Noel King. I haven't heard about this one. Equipment being removed. What equipment? He said. The sorting equipment that we use to process mail for delivery, said Carol, who is also a postal clerk. In Iowa, we are losing machines, so that hinders our ability to process the mail in a way that we had in the past. Because it wasn't broken, you see? So the Republicans had to break it. That's what they do. Everything they touch, they destroy. That's the point. It's not just Twitler. Rick Smith wrote that book, Everything That Trump Touches Dies. Well, he's a Republican. Everything that Republicans touch dies. USPS spokesman David Partenheimer told Salon that the equipment removal was 
among actions the agency was taking to focus on increased operational efficiency. Well, if that ain't right out of 1984, up is down, left is right, Freedom is slavery. And removing equipment is increasing operational efficiency. Removing equipment that was working fine. You see, it was working. So they had to break it. Like, that's what they do. You know, like when you go to vote. There were too many voting machines here. People were actually getting to vote. So they had to remove some. And then they had to make those voting places way out in the boondocks, that not near any parking lots, much less a bus route. That's what they do. They'll move it to where you have to take three buses and then the bus drops you off a mile from the spot. I'm not exaggerating that. That's what they did. That's what Republicans do. They hate this country. So they need to destroy it. And all the while, they're going to wave that flag in front of your eyes and hope you don't notice. DeJoy, who took over the cash-strapped agency in June, said the USPS was vigorously focusing on ingrained inefficiencies in our operations because if meaning efficiencies it was working that's what they do so just say it was inefficient it was so inefficient so the remedy is let's remove some machines if that was the case if it was inefficient wouldn't the remedy be you add machines Because they know you, that the American people are stupid. They count on the stupidity. They don't have to lose sleep wondering if the American people are stupid. They bank on it. By running our operations on time and on schedule and not by incurring unnecessary overtime or other costs, we will enhance our ability to be sustainable. So you cut overtime, you remove machines, you ensure that mail piles up, and that's what they call increased efficiency. Because we're living in upside-down world, bizarro world, Republican bizarro world. High-quality, affordable services. That means making sure that when you mail a letter, it doesn't go across the country in two days. It doesn't even go across the country in two weeks. Uh, It never gets there. It gets lost. This is what's going on. DeJoy says operational changes are necessary given the crash crunch that Republicans inflicted on the post office with their fake-ass bill that forces the post office to pay 75 years of health benefits, although, well, in, in, in uh, 10 years, I, sh- I should finish that sentence, but there is no cash crunch. 
in the post office because the post office, without that, that poison pill, the post office turns a profit. In fact, it's doing well thanks to the Internet and delivery. Everybody gets things de- delivered now. So that's why Twitter needs to undermine that as well. I'm losing my voice. He continues, this realignment will strengthen postal service by enabling us to identify new opportunities and generate revenue. F you. The post office is not really about generating revenue. There are ways you can generate revenue. How about make the post office like um, in a banking institution as Bernie Sanders wanted to do and says, I mean, these are things that work. But Republicans don't want that. They just want to complain and destroy because it's about destroying, breaking it down, making this country fail so they can steal. That's all. It's that simple. Carol said DeJoy's changes have alarmed postal workers all across the country. His policies, although they've only been in place for a few weeks, are now affecting the way that we do business and not allowing us to deliver every piece of mail every day as we have done in the past. And she also disputed that the changes were cost-cutting measures. Well, I hope that any postal worker listening to this, the sound of my voice, and who understands this, this attack on us, the American people. It's not just an attack on the post office. This is an attack on all of us. It's like come, someone coming into your house and screwing up your entire, your, it, it, just screwing up your things that are working. Sabotage. It's an attack on all. So so I hope that anyone who's a postal worker or friends of a postal worker or family members, if you vote Republican, you might as well be slitting your own throat. I have been telling you this for years. All of you, anybody who is in a union, especially the postal union, if you vote Republican, you're an idiot. There is no getting around it. You're a goddamn idiot. And I come from a family of postal workers. And I, as I told you, my mother was a postal worker after she was a nun. My father worked at the post office as well as working at the sanitation. I mean, I came from a solidly middle class, working class family. I have aunts who worked in the post office, uncles. My cousin is currently a postal worker. Oh, God. I don't see this as cost-saving measures. I see this as uh, to undermine the public confidence in the mail service. Of course, that's what they do. It's not saving us, she said. We are spending more time trying to implement changes in our office. It's It's costing more overtime. 
Democrats included $25 billion to help the Postal Service in the coronavirus relief proposal, but Trump and Senate Republicans have balked at providing additional funding. Democrats have accused Trump and DeJoy of trying to sabotage. Don't say that. Democrats have accused. How about no? This is a definitive statement. Here's another thing that pisses me off. This is supposed to be a progressive um, article, a progressive magazine. No, it's not Democrats have accused normal people. It's not accused. It should be a statement. DeJoy is trying to sabotage the mail service. But insists he is not. But we're not stupid. We have eyes. We can see, we can hear, we see what he's up to, we know who they are, and we're not freaking standing for it. Democrats called on the UPS, USPS Inspector General's office to review changes made during DeJoy's tenure, and Senate Gary Peters, a Democrat of Michigan, the top Democrat on the committee, which oversees the agency, launched his probe to... Despite her concerns about the mail slowdown, Carol expressed optimism that the Postal Service was prepared to handle the expected increase in mail-in ballots. The Postal Service has been in place for over 200 years. We have a history of being able to process mail, and we're being de- we're, and we've been developing and perfecting our methods for all that time, she said to NPR. So although the Postmaster General is taking actions that are starting to impact that, by having that preparation in advance of this election, we still have the system that will do that. But she warned that the agency's leaders were trying to circumvent the rules that have been set to safeguard the public by making changes that don't quite, that don't require public comment, but have the same impact as closing offices and changing delivery standards. So this is a way to avoid that kind of public comment. So we're trying to make sure that the public understands that they need to make comment. She said, we are trying to activate people all across the country and to notify the public. So I'm asking you guys, as well as myself, tomorrow, I will. And if you're listening to this now, and it is tomorrow. <laughs> of course, you're listening to it now. If you're listening to it now, it's now. That's a stupid thing to say, but I'm tired. Let's all call our representatives, especially if you have a Republican representing you, and telling them you're not going to stand for this assault on the Postal Service. And we know what they're up to. All right, guys, 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 where are you? I got to go. Look at me. I'm like, I'm exhausted. My voice is giving out. My soul is giving out. I'm tired. We'll see what happens tomorrow. Maybe we'll do a show tomorrow. I don't know. What do I know? I'm just the host of this amazing show. You guys, you guys are great. Thank you for hanging out. Let's see. 
Wait, who's this on the chat? Stop fighting and grow up your country or Trump. If you do not vote or do right or do a right in, you are actually voting for Trump. Make your choice, America. We also need the Senate. This is Loon on the chat. Did see? You know what I'm saying? I can't get into it now because I'm tired. Grow up. Did I say something? What are we talking about? Did I say that we're not voting? These the people who listen to the show are the most motivated to vote uh, and grow up. What did we? What did we say? What did we say? We're not. What are we growing up about? <laughs> we have to take the corporate lick spittles. I see. It's fine. No, it's okay, Haiku. You don't have to ban them. They're fine. <laughs> Haiku is. He's not kidding around. Haiku will ban. You don't have to ban people that agree, don't just disagree. That's fine. Or call us babies. But I wanted to, I was asking why. Since maybe I miss. Yes, push Joe and make him do what he is supposed to do. Yes, that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. And we tell everybody to vote. And I have said from day one, I will vote for him. As annoying as he is, and not my, he's not my first choice, he's not my fifth choice, but he is what it is. I'll be voting for Kamala Harris before I vote for Biden, so put it that way. But I will, of course, we want to stop the bleeding, but without shows like this, he will not be, we won't be pushing anybody anywhere, they'll be throwing subsidies at the broken system and next fascist who gets into office is going to be a capable fascist and the country is going to be gone at that point. But then again, I guess so will I since how, how much, um, well, I mean, I'm not that old, but who knows? I don't, I don't want to see the end of this country. The, well, the end of democracy. What? Well, what am I saying? It is not a functioning democracy. We know by the Princeton study, the wants and needs of working people have a statistically insignificant effect on government policy. That means it's not a functioning democracy. So, I know. John on the chat. Oh, please stop this bullshit feet to the fire crap. That never happens. It's true. Unless people get into the streets. You see what's going on with the Black Lives Matter movement. The Black Lives Matter movement said when they got in the street, they were like, no, we're not just having a peaceful protest and we're not going to go home on your curfew or what I'm not. To well, well, I'm saying peaceful protest. Yes, but not we're not listening to your bullshit curfew. And they and went out every day you just keep going you never give up you never stop otherwise whatever what what do they care i'm the way i'm looking at it right now frankly is 
I'm wondering, all these people out of work and these effing filthy ghouls in government. See, if we had a government that responded to the wants and needs of the working people, do you think they would have let the unemployment insurance expire in the middle of a pandemic? No, their remedy is get back to work and go die. They don't, what do we care? You're nothing to them. So I'm waiting for, where's our bonus army? Remember the bonus army? Well, n not that we were alive at the time, but in the first Republican Great Depression, before the before FDR, the American people were waiting for their bonuses, the veterans, because they needed it, because we had Repub the Republican Great Depression. So they marched on Washington, and they demanded their, their World War I bonuses now. And what happened? They unle uh, Hoover unleashed MacArthur on the veterans. Right? Am I right? Was it MacArthur? But yeah, that's what we need. We need people to march on. March. I don't. Know, I don't. I'm not saying we need people to be beaten by the army. But that's what happened. We need people to march, get in the streets and say, no, we're not going home. We need civil disobedience. What we really need, really, is a general strike. But they have so divided this country that I don't think... I, if I ever live to see a general strike in this country, I'll be pleased, but quite surprised. All right, I gotta go. I'm tired. I'm tired of all this. I need sleep. You guys are great. We'll see what happens tomorrow. Since I'm not working 12-hour days, that's good, right? But, uh. oh, here's Tara Jr. Jr. Just to say goodnight. Hi. How are you? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Your feet is stuck. Your feety. It's stucky. Say hello. I'm just trying to get him. Say hello. Say hello. Oh, I'm sorry. I know. Look at the camera. <laughs> Who's a good boy? Everybody say good night, Junior. Look at the camera, Junior. People want to see you. There he is. Look at him. <laughs> He's like a doll. He is a living doll. All right, my friends. Thank you for hanging out tomorrow. Hopefully, we'll see what happens. And, it well, become a patron. If somebody becomes a patron, we will make it a point to have a show tomorrow. And the shows will get better and better as I start recovering from my traumatic experience. I do want to thank you all for your understanding and support. And that means the world to me. I also want to thank... Where is my sound effects? I want to thank... Karen Gould! 
for becoming a patron and making this show possible. For real. And everybody else who were so generous with the Super Chats, you mean the world to me. I want to thank you all for hanging out. Yeah, be joyful. <laughs> we're making joy here, Peter. Did we make any joy tonight? Maybe. I'm, I, there's some joy. I made joy by not having to be on a show that is uh, not really making joy. But making my life miserable. And making me age a thousand years in a week. I can't even tell you. You guys are great. All right. My name is Tara Devlin. Thank you so much. I'm not kidding. I appreciate it, to put it mildly. So, my name is Tara Devlin. Become a patron at patreon.com slash Tara Devlin. Join us on our Discord page in between shows. That's a great way to hang out. Share pictures of your pets. Share pictures of yourself. I want to see more stories introducing yourself we have a whole section that says introduce yourself i think that's really great listening to everyone's story i should read those stories maybe i will if you give me permission um, read stories about who we are who are the listeners of the show so we get to know each other that's a nice thing maybe we'll do that tomorrow if somebody becomes a patron and we guarantee a show all right and give the show a good review on iTunes. Share the show with your friends. That helps us grow. And keep coming back. It works if you work it. So work it, you're worth it, and live it. My name is Tara Devlin. We stick together. We win. And we will win. Because we are on the right side of history. And we are on the right side of humanity and we are on the right side of democracy. So, I will see you very soon.